Hello everyone, welcome to episode 52 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer, we count our Urgol during the breaks. Clink, <laughs> clink, clink. <laughs> I'm, I'm your host Matt, and joining me as always, a guy who may or may not have a pet zote, it's Cameron. How you doing, mate? I'm doing well, uh, due to Australian laws regarding the ownership of exotic animals. I can neither confirm nor deny the existence of the <laughs> zote in my shed. <laughs> what's his name if uh, if you had to name him if you had one Ooh, harry ah, harry the zoe yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> solid name dependable mm-hmm. nice right well we will not spread that rumor any further um <laughs> so yeah here we are episode 52 um I think because we've been doing a few waffles recently, it feels like we've sort of mm. been recording all the time at the moment. So yeah. Usually, usually we've got obviously a couple of weeks break in between recording. And like I said, it feels like we've been on the mic a few times recently. And uh, mm. Mm. yeah, it's uh, it's good. Right. Actually, talking of waffles and yeah. upcoming things, uh, what's in today's episode? Well, obviously, we'll talk about what we've been up to hobby wise. Uh, then we'll get stuck into the news. Uh, not much really going on at the moment, so it'll be quite a small mm. segment, but hey, that's the way it goes. Um, and then for the main law topic, we will be discussing the AOS novel Black Pyramid, because Cameron's been a good boy and we've let him cover it. Uh, <laughs> and for the uh, discussion topic, we're going to discuss our Imperial Guard Regiment ideas, because, uh, mm. you know, why not? Let's, let's talk about yeah. it. Um and like I said, I mentioned waffles. Uh, like I said, as part of this, well, when this episode's coming out, we have recorded a few, uh, waffle episodes. So as of now, four, number four, waffle four is definitely out. And realistically, five will come out before this one goes live. So mm. if you've not checked them out, check out our little waffle episodes, which is just obviously Cameron and I just waffling about Warhammer, including yeah. the title. So <laughs> get on them if you want something else to listen to. And and as always, uh, in the show notes uh, will be how you can support us, where you can see us on social media. Uh, obviously, with all this climate uh, situation going on in the world, uh, mm. if you want to go onto iTunes and give us a five-star review, that will be all greatly appreciated and will be your best Warhammer buds for life. Yeah. So <laughs> if you also would like to chat to other like-minded Warhammer people, hey, join our Discord. It's full of cool, lovely people. Always free to join, and we've had some new people that have joined, especially since this self-isolation period, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Very big welcome to all you guys that have joined, and obviously for any future people that may come along. Um, if you do join our Discord, you can ask us a question, and we'll answer it on the show. And this is today's question. I like this one, by the way. Uh, this comes from <laughs> Chris of Legio Arctos, and he asks, random question, six armies for one game, or one army for six games? Ooh. Mm, that is tasty. <laughs> Mm. Six armies mm. for one game, or one army for six games. Ah, oh, see, I- I'm conflicted because mm. I love I love focusing on one thing at a time, mm. but I also love exploring the depth each system has. Like, I- I've got <laughs> I've got a Night Haunts and a Head Knights army for AOS in varying mm. states of compensation and completion. Those both fulfill yep. completely different desires within that system. If I just True. had if I just had the one army 
for that and also every other system, I feel like I'd be missing out on a lot. Mm. But then, if I was completely dedicated to a single system, I'd also feel like I'd be missing out on a lot. Um, That's it. That's it. it? That's what it's down to. Do you you want to excel at one game and have lots of different options with that one game? Or do you Mm. want to narrow yourself for one faction or army, but then you could play lots of different games? Yeah. Um, It's difficult, isn't it? (laughs) Um, i mean there are people who have made this choice and they all play chaos demons so we know what Mm. they're up to um (laughs) i think about the only game they can't play that in is necromunda at this point Mm, (laughs) yeah watch um, your space that could be a thing at some point (laughs) honestly honestly i would go one army multiple games because Mm. that way you're always at least guaranteed to be able to play which is actually super important for me but also it means you can put a lot of love and attention into that one army Mm. um I do. I do occasionally feel bad for my projects that are sort of languishing on a shelf. Uh, they will be. They will be paid attention to one day. But um, yeah. No, I, I think I'm going to go for for one army, six systems. Um, how about yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. I would probably agree with you on that. I think it. it, it I suppose part of me did consider: would it be good to get really good at one game? But then. At the same time, if you've got six armies, you're then going to realistically rotate them, which is a good thing. But then could you get really good at that game um, if you're still rotating your armies? Whereas ideally you'd want to be one army, one game, really. Um, So, yeah, I think a bit bit like you, I'd probably do the other option. As in, I would just, knowing that I'm a butterfly, I would like to have the choice to play lots of different games to be honest, yeah. even if yeah. it is just one army. And yeah, and then like you said, you could get really good at them. You could really delve in. You can always keep expanding them, you know, ultimately. Uh, mm. Even, you know, even if you've got the core stuff that you need to play these multiple games, if you want to be able to, you know, add to it, I'm sure you could. Uh, yeah, I think that would be, I think just knowing that there's so many good games out there, that yeah. I think that, you know, that overrides one, I, mean, I suppose if you absolutely love one game, that's totally cool as well but mm. yeah i think you know if you could have something that was like <laughs> i can play this in 40k aos necromunda underworlds mm. yeah and oh, like yeah. you said like you perfectly said it would give you so many options to at least be able to play something because i suppose what happens if you've got six armies but that one game no one locally plays uh, or mm. is interested in and then you're, yeah. <laughs> you're just stuck with six armies <laughs> that you can look at which is nice but yeah. you know uh, if you yeah, yeah. you know you want to have the uh, the gaming options so yeah I think mm. definitely it would be that one. I think that would, would definitely win. But it's a great question, though. And um, I'm sure people listen now are thinking exactly the same. Like, hmm, what would I do? <laughs> so, yeah, get thinking. So thank you very much, Chris, for that question. Uh, right. Yeah. I think it's that time. It's time to discuss hobby. Right. Okie dokie. Hobby time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, we're, in, we're still in self-isolation at the moment for or semi-self-isolation, depending on where in the world yeah. you are. Um, <laughs> so, you know, may have a bit of time to do stuff. So, Cameron, what have you been doing mm. the last couple of weeks, mate? Uh, I've been up to a couple of things. Believe it or not, I actually had some stuff done. Uh, I've only just gotten back to work, just started uh, Wednesday last week. So, sort of sorting through that. The real test will be tomorrow, which is like my big day. Uh, got basically <laughs> everyone on Monday. Um, and although also like a lot of last minute scheduling stuff has taken up a lot of brain power, but I've managed to get some stuff done, uh, which is probably for the best. 
Um, so first off, we'll pick up with, uh, stuff I was working on last time around. Uh, I was working on that close assault squad for my Plague Marines, which is now yep. 100% complete. There's five guys. They're Yay. all, they're all built. Uh, so I built the last guy with the, the Plague Cleaver, cause I needed one more Plague Cleaver in there. Um, He's the guy with, like, the, the relatively uncorrupted armor. He doesn't look, like, gross or swollen or boily or anything, and he's throwing the grenade. Um, so uh, I've changed him up a little. Um, I have obviously removed the grenade, and I've removed the bolter underslung under the other arm, and I gave him the flail of corruption arms from the Plague Marine kit, so he's holding the big staff in front of him. Uh, and in then, then instead of the heads and chains of the flails dragging along, I took the bayonet from the Chaos Knight chainsword <laughs> and filed that down to a slightly sharper edge and stuck that on. And so now he's got this big sort of like a bill hook kind of polearm style weapon, which I feel fits pretty well for a Great Plague Cleaver. Someone did say he looks like he's got a, a pizza mat stick um <laughs> you, you put things into wood-fired ovens with which is a little hard to unsee now but uh hey if he wants to if he wants to cook on the side who's gonna stop him hey <laughs> we all yeah. eat pizza sometimes mm. yeah so uh that squad's all assembled now i need to go back and do like some gap filling with green stuff and then adding some extra details and things like that but uh i'm pretty happy with how they look all together honestly um they they look good. I've no idea if they'll ever be good in a game, but that that we'll see eventually when we can play games again, I guess. Um, but yeah, pretty happy with that. Um, as for their ride, the uh, <clears throat> the Deimos Rhino that I picked up for really cheap over Facebook, um, that that is no longer their ride. I got oh, okay. uh, I got distracted as I often do, and I went, "Oh, do you know what would be cool though if I turn this into a play burst crawler?" Um, <laughs> Which is the uh the Death Guard artillery piece for those who don't know. Um mm-hmm. there are a few there are a few on the Death Guard subreddit that are sort of the same idea, like a rhino chassis with the demon sprouting out of it and pulling it itself around and stuff like that. And I was really inspired by those. Uh and also it is a recast, it's a nice recast, uh, but it doesn't fit super perfectly in a couple of places. So I I like the idea of the panels like folding out and there being mm-hmm. demon stuff gushing out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, very um, cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so my idea here is I haven't done much with it yet. I've assembled it, the basic uh, chassis of it. And I've put the, the Chaos Knight uh, exhaust vents, I guess, because I'm using something different from my Knight Rampages ones. Uh, I put them on the back as if it's like got that little engine in the back there somewhere. It's a rear wheel drive, <laughs> obviously. Um, but uh, my, my plan at the moment, because the Deimos Rhino has those great circular side doors my plan at the moment is to have, like, the demon's arms sprouting out of those and literally Ooh. dragging it along, so it's, like, mm. crawling <laughs> along. Literally, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't have the front armor plate on where the uh, the driver's protective area would normally be because I'll have, like, the demon's head and face out of there and maybe another set of arms holding a bulldozer blade in place so it at least looks like it has the dozer blade and everything. Um <laughs> And the top hatch is also open so that I can stick the demon manipulating a big cannon up in there and everything. Um, yeah, so it's pretty early stages now, uh, but the ideas are there. I just got to work out how to make them happen, <laughs> whether that be finding some toy frog arms or something. I don't know quite well where we're going with this. We'll see in the, we'll see in the future. <laughs> um, but kicking off from that, uh, I have a use for all those armor panels on it that I'm not currently using, um, mm-hmm. which is... 
Uh, in Necromunda, Goliaths have a few options thanks to the House of Chains. Uh, and one of the options they have is uh, a special c- kind of barricade that ignores the Melter and Blaze traits of weapons if you're standing behind it. So um, mm-hmm. you don't get you don't get one shot by Melter guns, and you don't get set on fire by flamethrowers if you're standing behind these. Is the idea, uh, which you can only use in defensive scenarios, but they seem kind of neat because you're just adding more cover to the board, and it's good cover because you know again you're not going to get one shot by a Melter gun if that ever happens to you uh it's not cool uh <laughs> yeah it, basically if it's in half range in necromunda if a melt gun rolls injury dice anything except a flesh wound is automatically out of action <laughs> you just <laughs> get deleted because uh, it's a melt gun of course um and so i took the the Deimos rhino has these great front panels that are like big and chunky with the two little view slits and mm-hmm. what i did was um when a resin piece is cast there's something called a gate which is like that little block that all the bits are attached to. Yeah. Uh, and I noticed those look kind of like concrete blocks uh, that you use for, like, roadworks and stuff. So I just clipped some little bits off those and glued them to the bottom of each of these panels I was using. So I've got the regular Rhino front panel, I've got the Damus Rhino front panel, and then I've got the regular Rhino doors. I've glued two of those together to form a panel. Um, I put these little blocks from the resin gates on the bottom of them so they stand up and look like a little bit of barricade welded onto a stand, and I'm pretty happy with them, honestly. Um, I figure that of all the gangs in Necromunda, Goliath should be able to get access to cast-off Rhino bits pretty easily because they actually <laughs> work the forges. <laughs> and they should be producing stuff like that because uh, the Imperial Fists have a fortress monastery on Necromunda. Yes, so clearly they need point. gear made in-house. I, I, will, I always assume that's where, like, all the extra bolt rounds and stuff for Necromunda <laughs> come from. Because otherwise, there's just a suspiciously large number of bolt guns going around the underground. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so pretty happy with the barricades. I'm going to neaten them up a little, but most of the flavor is going to be I'm going to paint them uh, all rusty and dirty and then put a bunch of graffiti on them so they're very identifiable as belonging to my gang. Um, let's see, more Necromunda stuff, uh, last time I mentioned I started building some test walls for my Zone Mortalis boards, mm-hmm. uh, I've since completed the test piece, which is just a little bit of wall with, like, it's crumbling at one end with the rebar sticking out, and I am super jazzed with it, it's super good, I think, at least, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, the board it's meant to go on, it's like a a section of wall, then a broken down bit, then the wall runs 90 degrees the other way, uh, all the way down the tile. So it's like there's this cordoned off area by the wall that has recently been broken through. Uh, so on one side of my wall, there is like all this moss and lichen growing, and there's an Escher gang sign and an emergency formula for making friends on. Uh, you know, mix two parts of this color lichen with this, 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 and this, mm-hmm. and you'll get some drugs. That you- It's an emergency chem station, basically. <laughs> Um, and the other side is a Goliath urinal. Um, (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah, so, um, the, the, the support strut kind of thing had this long crack running down the middle of it, just naturally with the foam, (laughs) and I went, oh, you know what? They would, they would have, like, a pissing competition up against this. Of course they would. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so there's, like, a little target drawn up near the top of the pillar, and there's a bunch of graffiti, um, and... This, 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 uh, gash in the stonework is, uh, colored, discolored a little sort of brown and yellow thanks to the white leather contrast paint and also has a coat of gloss on it just for the added grossness. <laughs> um, 
And right at the top, there's graffiti that says BB Rules, uh, who is going to be Big Brutus, who I'll make at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but there's, there's a bunch of, bunch of other graffiti I was really happy with. There's like a tally mark, and there is a VAT greater than Nat, uh, which I assume all the Nat Bong lights <laughs> aren't reaching as high in the competition there. And then because it's a urinal, the other side is just plastered with posters. Um, so someone in one of the Necromunda groups I'm in did a bunch of great little printable Necromunda posters. Oh, wow. Uh, for you to plaster around stuff. And so he, he put them up free. Haven't stolen them or anything, obviously. Um, but, uh, you basically just print them off. You put them on with a little PVA glue and finish them up with some, uh, matte varnish to make sure they're like not going to scrape off or anything. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty happy with how they look. My printer isn't super high quality, so they're not perfect. But from a distance, they look pretty good, honestly. There's but, like, but um, that's actually quite appropriate for a Necromunda, really, anyway. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, obviously exactly. nothing there is really high-end, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. So there's like, there's like a couple of biohazard signs. There's a little sign pointing to the wall that says shit pit. Um, <laughs> some, some ads for drugs, uh, some wanted posters, that kind of thing all around there. Um, and I'm pretty happy with how it is. Um, come, come out with that. Um, I've got my, what have I got? There's three other pieces of wall that are all getting close to that sort of final detailing stage of adding all that stuff onto it. Um, at this point, it's just mixing a bunch of gray acrylic paint and then putting in PVA glue to the mix to make sure that, uh, when I finish it off with a varnish spray to make sure it's all covered, uh, the foam doesn't melt because, ah, uh, yeah. yeah, because the aerosolizing agent in spray cans contains acetone, which will absolutely melt this kind of foam. <laughs> and you don't want that if you've just spent, you know, hours and hours carving it out and painting it up and everything. Um, <laughs> So Fair yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hopefully, I'll get those done, and then I'll have a couple tiles worth of terrain, uh, well, walls at least built up, which will be nice. Um, what else have I done? I started messing around with the Lord of Contagion from the No No Fear Death Guard stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that that is the sort of Lord in Terminator armor uh, equivalent for the Death Guard, although his rules are not anywhere near as good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bit of a shame, really. He, he's really good in close combat. But he's super slow, and his buff is not great. Um, so, uh, instead, I went with something I've always wanted to give a go, but I never really had the uh, the idea to try, which is try a sort of a true-scale-ish marine. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, for those who don't know, in 40k on the tabletop, marines are just a little bit undersized. Um, they used to be a lot undersized, but the, uh, the new Chaos Marines and the new Primaris Marines obviously helped that a lot. Um, part of it is the standard Guardsman is probably a little too tall, honestly, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> and so true scaling is the practice of taking one of those models or, or somehow taking other kits like Terminator kits and making a bigger Marine that feels more in scale with the rest of the universe. Mm. Um, as long as you don't have like custodies models and stuff like that, it's fine. Otherwise things start getting really out of whack and you'd have to start making the custodies taller and then it's sort of this arms race. So we're not <laughs> going to get into that. Um, so I made, I made a true scale plus plague marine is what I'm going to call it because he's much bigger than even a true scale marine would be, but that's fine because he's cool. Um, so essentially I took the Lord of Contagion, sawed him in half at the waist because a lot of Games Workshop models don't really have an abdomen. They have hips, and then their chest <laughs> starts. Um, so I've a- I've added probably uh, like five mils, maybe a bit less than that in height. Four mils, five mils, um, and 
put some green stuff in there just to keep it stable and I'll do sculpting on there to add detail and stuff, but it means he stands a lot taller. Um, for, for, um, point, for evidence of that, go check out our Twitter or our Discord, there are some photos there, but, uh, he essentially stands head and shoulders over even Death Shroud Terminators. Um, <laughs> wow. he's, he's pretty big. Um, I've got, I've replaced like the Nurglings that were under his foot with a Tempesta Scion being slowly pushed down into the muck. Um, and currently I'm working on Weapon Options Room. I've done him up a couple of arms, but I'm not super happy with them, honestly, because I've been essentially lengthening Plague Marine arms because regular Plague Marine arms look kind of short and stubby now that he's so tall, but it's not. <laughs> It's not quite right, so I'm either going to have to do Primaris arms, or what I think I'll probably do is source some Terminator arms from the, uh, either from the Blightlord Terminators or the newer Chaos Terminator kit. Just find yeah. a couple of spare arms somewhere, because those should hopefully be like the big chunky style, and also a bit longer, and should fit, hopefully. Um, if not, I don't know, I'll get Custody's arms or something. This guy's really big. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty happy with him. He's going to be, at some point, I think, the Grand Warlord of my little Death Guard uh, Vectorum thing, this little yeah. Splinter Warband. Um, because, you know, he he is technically a true-scale Marine, but honestly, he's much bigger than he should be for, even for that. So he's just going to be on the verge of demonhood. and. Yeah. Yeah, you know, who knows? If he ever wins enough games, maybe he'll actually become a demon prince, and we'll figure oh, that see, out. Oh, then. see, I like that. That, that like could that always narrative. be a yeah, because um, honestly, his armor style is actually relatively close to the uh, the Nurgle demon prince, which I've always had a soft spot for, except for the face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that might that might work for like an upgrade at some point. Is do that model up really nicely and a bit bigger as well. But uh, we'll see about that in the future. Obviously, um, at the moment. He he's armless and also needs a backpack. Um, <laughs> I'm really not sure what to do about the backpack. I don't really have any spares, and they would all probably look a bit small. So ideally, I'd be able to make a larger one, but we'll figure that out. We'll we'll cross that bridge at some point. Um, <laughs> then I reread Black Pyramid, which I just finished earlier today. Yep, of God, course. I forgot. God, I forgot how much I love that book. That's a really good book. <laughs> Looking forward to talking about it later. Um, I also did some more buying. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Because of course I did. Um, which is, again, trolling through Facebook Marketplace. Someone was selling a Sons of Horus Contempted Dreadnought really cheap with a bunch of weapon options. Again, this is someone selling a recast secondhand, but it's a really nice one, honestly, and all the bits are relatively well done. And uh, if it's a little messed up, it's a little messed up, and I can fix it to look nasty. That's, that's <laughs> nasty. That way. Uh, <laughs> so I got that, and it showed up in the mail on... Wednesday, Tuesday, Tuesday, I think. Um, just this, just this last Tuesday, and uh, I got to work. I've had a lot of fun. It is a beautiful model, uh, even if this is not the potential best version of it that exists. But it's really nice. <laughs> I feel kind of guilty turning it away from the Sons of Horus, <laughs> but hey, you gotta. Oh, they've done enough trouble. Do. Come on, they've let's got be enough honest. trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I uh, build him up. His poses. He's sort of on a pair, uh, on some like rubble over a pool of slime. This is what it's going to be. And he's sort of stepping uh, one way and probably turning and looking the other. Um, but I've started death guarding him up by putting some cables running across the front of the carapace and around to the sides. And 
I'm going to have to get rid of some of uh, that Sons of Horus more specific stuff. I've already done that, like scraping the um, Legion of the... I believe they're the 16? Were they? No, they yeah. weren't 16. 18. No, I, actually, uh, I can't remember. remember. I can't I was, remember do you know either. what? I, I, feel, I feel really bad. I always forget about the Sons of Horus as a, as a Legion, <laughs> well, which I know yeah. sounds bad considering, obviously, <laughs> what, what Daddy did. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just forget about them. To be honest, it's I know that, uh, yeah. No, they are the sixteenth. Yeah, they are sixteenth. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've right. scraped some. Uh, I've scraped some sixteenth insignia off of them using uh, precision screwdrivers, which hot tip are basically tiny chisels, so they're really good <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, and I've also assembled all of the weapon options, which was seven total, which is nice. Um, we had a chain fist, two of the power fists slash power claws, twin auto cannon, twin las cannon, plasma cannon, and a conversion beam cannon. So there's a lot to work with there. Um, but fortunately, I have two dreadnoughts to put them on because I have my Death Guard Contemptor that I got February last year, mm-hmm. who has been sitting and waiting for arms this entire time, <laughs> is now able to have arms. Um, and as part of that, uh, on Thursday, I got to work and uh, started magnetizing some of these arm options. So I've got uh, the Sons of Horus Dread has the magnets in his shoulders in place, and the Laz Cannon and one of the Power Claws have magnets in place um, as well, so they can be pulled on and off super easy. Um, I do not have the magnets in place for the actual Death Guard Contemptor Dread yet, uh, <laughs> or for any other weapon options, but I've started drilling all the holes. Um, it's been a little bit of an arduous process, because going through all of our drill bits, we didn't have one quite the right size, so what I'm doing is using my hobby drill to drill a guide hole, using a screwdriver to sort of furrow out that in a circular fashion, and then scraping it just a little tiny bit wider, because our screwdrivers are also too, are also too small, uh, with a knife, <laughs> scraping it out a little bit more so the magnet just fits nice and snug. Um, but once the magnets are in place, none of them have been falling out. Uh, we haven't had any issues with the glue not being strong enough to hold them in place, so... Cool. Papa, Papa Nurkle willing, this won't fall apart halfway through. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's more or less it. Um, I have also started plans, because I have a Derradeo Dreadnought from sometime last year as well, uh, I have started plans to give that arms, uh, actual weapon arms, using the uh, the Plague Spitters from the Fettered Bloat Drone, because I'm not going to be using them on that, because it's, as I said last episode, turning into a Dark Magos. Um, so I'm going to build those up into just generic cannony arms that can represent any of the, uh, various terrible options that a Derradeo can use to whittle down the enemy. Um, <laughs> so though the, it's been Dreadnought week, honestly, that's been the majority <laughs> of my work. work. <laughs> everything else was, everything else was the week before this last week has just been working on these Dreadnoughts. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, I'm pretty happy with them, honestly. And what I've done, I, I've managed to get a decent bit done. It turns out when you're not commuting... You get stuff done. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Why are we going to work and having to do stuff, and then mm. when we could be doing things like hobby? Come on, exactly. It's healthy. Come on. <laughs> cool. No, it sounds like you've been a busy boy. So, no, glad to hear it. Right. Okay. Well, uh, before I get into what I've been doing, let's do hobby tip of the episode. Um, this comes from Mister Stephen Rhodes on our Discord. So, uh, for context, this is sort of in answer to one of the other guys on our on our discord struggling mm. with hobby you know as in getting motivated okay yeah. so this is where the context of this tip comes from or it's a combination of little tips really 
So he says, mm. uh, firstly, put all your hobby stuff away. Clear your area entirely uh, so it's neat and clean and nothing is on display to shame you there. Then accept you're not doing any and be cool with it. That's quite a good point, actually. Uh, Use the space for something else, maybe, or just enjoy doing other hobbies. Lots of things compete for time, so while you're doing other things, don't feel bad when you're not hobbying. Then start really small. Build one guy or do a base or base coat one mini. Uh, I like to build a Shade Spire Warband to get back into it. Uh, only do like 15 minutes at a time though just have one task and complete it and then walk away keep doing these tiny micro hobby sessions to feel like you've made progress but don't push the time or task beyond one simple thing with any luck after a week you'll be itching to do more and be pushing yourself to complete other things and hobbying for longer that's actually very good advice and i can actually uh, completely agree with that in the sense that I that's what I did so in in mm. sort of towards the end of last year obviously into this year where I you know as you know listeners of the show will know is I sort of said right I'm going to try to do at least you know 10, 15 20 minutes or so a day mm. of hobby it could be putting one model together it could be sorting something out it could be you know just or building one big model and just doing a bit at a time every day and and it does work and then obviously it led to me you know where i've got over a thousand points of nurgle bill i've had 1500 points of uh, more tribes bill and obviously i've done other things since then as well and it really does work doing that if you're struggling for motivation which seems a bit of a funny situation in in mm. this time again where again people are still generally self-isolated where most people well, not most not everyone but most people have mm. spare time on their hands you feel you know you feel like motivation wouldn't be a problem but it, it does I, I i can totally mm. empathize with that and i think sometimes when you've got almost too many options of what to do it, mm. it you know it can it can make you struggle and sometimes i think we we do get overwhelmed <laughs> at times with mm. with what's uh what's available in front of us and so like i said break it up just do like steven said and just do 15 minutes it's and then you feel good for doing it you know you feel mm. like you feel because you feel like you've done something it's only minor things and again one thing i would add to what's been said there is try and again try not to compare yourself to other people because you know unfortunately mm. with the internet you'll see you know what people do and it, um, well not unfortunately it's great what some people do but the snag is some people have just just have a lot of time on their hands or mm. they are very quick at doing stuff and don't compare yourself so if you're sort of like oh this is this one unit is taking me forever don't worry about it honestly yeah. don't worry about it just because someone's done two thousand points in a week that's that's them you know i mean don't don't mm. worry what they've done it's not you know it's not don't compare yourself because you're just you know, you'll just frustrate yourself and won't do anything. And it's not about that. Like we've said on other, you know, other episodes, enjoy the hobby, you know? So if, you know, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying it for 15 minutes by building a model and going, you know what, that's what I did today. Cool. I'm one step yeah. closer to, you know, goal A or target B, whatever yeah. you want it to be. So no, that's really, really, really solid advice. And don't beat yourself up about it. <laughs> cool. Right. Mm. Okay. Uh, so what have I been up to? Um, sort of <laughs> leading off the back mm. of that. I'm, I haven't actually done that much in the last couple of weeks. It's been a weird couple of weeks. They sort of seem mm. to have just disappeared in, in, in the warp for some reason. Yeah. I, don't, I feel like I, and, and I, I'll be honest, I sort of similar to what sort of Stephen was saying there in his advice is I've been sort of doing other hobbies, like non-Warhammer stuff. I feel like with this sort of time period where, you know, stuck in home, 
it's been good to do other bits. So I've sort of, you know, so I'm still doing Warhammer, but it's been good to have a bit of variety of doing other things. So, um, so I feel like I've not done that much, but I've done a few bits. So, uh, right. Regarding my space wolves, I've started putting some of the long fangs together. So basically I bought a while back the, the space marine devastator squad. I had some wolf pack, um, or, uh, space wolf pack, uh, body mm. spare. So just combining those, obviously yeah. being, Marines, they go nicely together. There's no real, <laughs> no real problems in that regard. So it's a nice way because obviously there's no long fan kit anymore. So this is a good way of doing it. So I've got uh, a couple of missile launchers built of those, plus their sergeant, uh, who's the uh, pack leader. That's what they're called. And so I'm just going to do a couple of last cannons when I get round to it, and that'll be another unit done of those. Um, whilst I have, as of yesterday, uh, well, yesterday being the second, cause today's the third of May, um, I started putting <laughs> the Spire Tyrants together. So I bought them, you know, the Warcry mm-hmm. band, cause I wanted something to up and running for, you know, to play with once we're out of self isolation. And I yeah. must, I must admit, they're such a nice kit. It's a really, yeah. really, the models in that kit. I know you can say that to for a lot of the Warcry <laughs> ones, but the Spire Tyrants, I, for, considering you could argue they're sort of generic, you know, slaves to darkness, they're actually, yeah. the, the amount of detail them in is, is fantastic. And you've got, a few of them have got weapon options, you know, you, like for mm. example, a few of them you can have shields on or you can have dual weapons and things like that, which I wasn't actually aware of until I got the, got the kit. I thought they were just the default, you know, sort of um, yeah. options really, but you've got a few in there. And, you know, you've got, you know, you've got the Chaos Dwarf in there, uh, similar to like the Iron, Go- Iron Golems. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, he's called a, what's he called a Frenzy Ravager or something like that, <laughs> or Frenzy Rager. Um, he's really cool. Uh, I, I mean, and what's quite nice is that the kits are quite minimal in the sense like that particular dwarf is mm. three pieces. And I quite like, you know, when when it's something where you're like, I just want this kit up and running. I'm not going to do anything yeah. special with them. They're not, they're not for that. I'm, I just want them up and running. It's nice. Then it's not as fiddly, you know, so I've already uh, built a few of them ready to, to get going, but I'm really, really impressed with that kit. It's really, really nice. Mm. Um, uh, also, I think, yeah, actually, I think it's in that. I think that model wise, that's all I've really been working on. Um, mm. I've been buying other bits. So, like I said, <laughs> apart from the Spire Tyrants, I also got, uh, this is, this is in preparation for agents of bile and i'm and i said on our discord this is a bit of a punt really so i bought a box yeah. of the chaos cultists from blackstone fortress so mm-hmm. um it's a, about seven of them in a in a yeah. kit they obviously came in one of the bigger expansions which i can't remember the name of and yeah there it's a really nice cheap kit it's only about well mm. it's about 15 pounds and you know they're obviously they're monopose ones but my thought is get those i then bought a box of jakari witches as well because mm-hmm. obviously my thought process is this is this will be the gland hounds for agents of yes. now it's a bit of a punt because obviously in theory they may not exist on the yeah. tabletop we don't know because we've not had that confirmed so mm. it, it, one of th- one of few things will happen either i will they will be confirmed i'm like right let's get it on i've got i've got the pieces i'm gonna put them <laughs> together um if they don't exist um i still may build them anyway because why not yeah. just make them cultists uh yeah. if i still don't i'm not sold by that idea then they will become a necromunda gang because <laughs> yeah. you know there'll be a chaos cultist gang or they mm. you know or such like so yeah i've got a few options but they're, they're basically a couple of kits that i'm going to combine 
in some sort of way. So that's a mm. future project. Um, once we find out what uh, what uh, f- fabulous Bill is uh, mm-hmm. up to and what his options. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's that. Um, I got myself a light box um, mm-hmm. because I feel that's fashionable um, these days to have a light box. Because when I'm yeah. sh- sh- trying to show off some of the bits I've done, um, my sort of hobby area downstairs just seems to, I don't know, destroy light it's like the, it feels like it's the <laughs> darkest you know when you're sort of looking into the abyss it feels like that yeah so i i felt like i needed to get a light box so i got a cheap little light box off amazon um and i'm gonna start using that for when i you know post my pictures on twitter and everything like that so mm. that's uh, another little handy tool to have in the kit uh and the last thing I bought was, hey, the most the most adult thing in the world, shelves. Now oh. I, <laughs> no, because I've got the 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 infamous IKEA Detorf, I think that's the name of it. The yeah. the basically the, that very well known glass cabinet mm. that IKEA sell that a lot yeah. of people in this hobby own because it's you know good price. It's from Ikea. It's a good little display cabinet. The only snag with it is that you don't get that many shelves. You get, uh, what, four you can do in there. And mm. and obviously the, the snag with that is you've got then a lot of spare real estate in that in that glass yeah. cabinet. Um, but the good thing is if you go on eBay, there is people out there that have, that have made shelves, you know, specifically for this. Obviously it's not made of glass. It's made of like a perspex type material. Um, yeah. But, but, it was like I got three shelves, thirty quid, plus the brackets, and so Ooh. basically I can now add you know multiple shelves to my cabinet because I am actually Ooh. starting to run out of room for my models in my in my office here. So uh, yeah, so I've started you know doing that with the cabinet as well. So I yeah. I will you know I will carry on with that and I recommend it as well. So yeah, if you ever, if anyone's you know in the same situation where you may not have room for a second cabinet. And you just want to expand the first. I said, go on eBay, you know, type type in this. I think it's called you know Detorf. Um, mm. Yeah, type type the shelves in, and you'll find people that are making those shelves and get yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think lastly, reading wise, obviously, I've been reading Black Pyramid. That's actually taken up a lot of my time because it's mm. quite a beasty book, actually, it's compared to some neat. of the other novels. It's quite you know yeah. it's got. You know, when you're trying to, because obviously I'm working full time still, you know, in self isolation, so I've only got that, you know, t- uh, time to uh, to read. So yeah, that's actually taken up. I mean, in a good way because it's been a great yeah. book to read, which we'll obviously cover uh, very soon. But yeah, I, that has taken up a lot of my time. Um, and also, I read, uh, which is actually a small one. It's only about hundred pages. The Mask of Vile, which is mm. the uh, Harlequin's little no- novella, because I just fancied reading something different. Um, I got I got it on ebook. I have a habit of waking up before the rest of my family and sometimes I just like to read in bed so it's easy like grab my phone read it and yeah. it's actually really good it's, it's it's a it's a few years old now um and but I yeah it's really good actually and it like and like I said on one of our recent waffles that should be out by the time you're listening to this <laughs> is it's good you know it's good to read about something like not novel wise or novella in this case to read mm. something that you're not you know you're not uh, not 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 familiar with but something you not really read about in most of the novels you know it's just just tried to good to to do something that you're not used to really so yeah that's that was really good i fairly recommend it like i said i think you can only get it on ebook at the moment i don't think it's i think you'll be very hard pressed to get a physical copy if there ever was one but uh you can get it on the web store you know it's all there but uh, yeah if you want something a bit different 
I recommend that one as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it, really. Like I said, mm. that's a bit yeah, about good. it. So doing bits. Um, oh, yeah. sorry. Lastly, um, I Ooh. have been, pl- I did play, um, obviously AOS D and D. So I, you know, like I said, yes. that's still going, uh, we're having real good fun. We've had a couple of guys that have sort of just taken a break from it and, uh, and some more people that have joined in. So we're sort of an ever rotating. We're a bit, gl- we're a bit glass cannon at the moment because <laughs> <laughs> as of the other session, uh, it was me as obviously a witch elf rogue. We've got yeah. a, Gnome Rogue, we've, and then we've got obviously two Seraphon, one being a, a warlock, one being a, a, a wizard, a star priest. Yes. So we've, at the moment, we don't really have any tanky type characters in our, mm. in our group. Yes. But we're getting through. Yes. What we're doing, we're taking the approach, kill before being killed. And that seems yeah. to be working yeah. so far. <laughs> That's good. Listen, if I, ev- if I ever find the time to join, I'll bring a tanky character for you. Have you heard, <laughs> have you heard of the monkey knife fighter? No, <laughs> no, I haven't. It's a very esoteric D and D build focused around a ranger whose animal companion is a monkey. The ranger does none of the fighting. The monkey has a knife. It's terrifying. D and D is great, and I'm glad. I'm really glad you guys are enjoying it because mm. I, I love D and D so much. So it's really great to see other people getting in. Yeah. Well, what's what's <laughs> been really good about it is that we've got a group, uh, pretty much half half of people that are that are really like as in really experienced in in it mm. and then there's the other half of us that have re- basically never played it <laughs> so it's actually mm. quite a good little mix of yeah. um and and as far as i know we're we're working through the fifth edition starter yes. scenario but obviously yeah. tweaked to be in the mortal realms you know <laughs> basically lots of, so, lots yeah, of grots so, and caves <laughs> yeah that, basically that's it yeah we're dealing with grots and caves and yeah, it's it's working well. I mean, obviously, the good thing is, good. you know, it, it's uh, you know the, the the universes are compatible, you know, so mm. far. And oh, Martin man. is do as our uh, as our <laughs> DM is doing really well. So yeah, yeah it's, it's oh, good. Oh god, I'll, I'll have to have a go at that because I just I just thought about converting things into mortal realms. And I'm like, oh, there is that one where an evil lich is stealing the souls of everyone who dies. I'm like, Arcan would. Yeah. that would yeah, be a great like, adventure stop arcan from stealing everyone's souls well that's the thing i mean obviously i'm not i'm not familiar with the official uh mm. scenario so i i you know I don't, yeah. i've never read it obviously i know it's out there but i'm deliberately not you know not reading because obviously i don't want i want to be well, yeah i want to i don't want to spoil things for myself so so mm-hmm. when we're when we because obviously at the moment we're picking up tasks like like it's like a video mm. game we're picking up all these little quests you know of what to, yeah. of these scenarios and obviously it's involving night taunt and it's like oh there's some orcs so mm. you know orcs over here and obviously yeah, yeah. you know it's like i said it's just swapping the uh what they were originally for the you know mm. the aos version of them basically yeah. and, it, and it and so far it's like i said you wouldn't even think twice about it really so you know really like smart. i said if you're if you're into your D <laughs> and you want to just do it you know aos mm. style just do it. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's that much effort to have to do that. So, no, yeah, yeah, thoroughly recommend that. So, I think what we're going to do as a group, we're just going to carry on until this ends, and then I think we'll, you know, basically decide what to do. Do we carry on with a new scenario? Um, there's a mm. few guys that want to do Wrath and Glory, and uh, yeah. so switch to 40k and do that. So, yeah, it's been nice, and again, especially in this self isolation period where you know people want stuff to do and obviously want you know, to bond mm. and have other people to talk to, you know, doing it over the discord chat and voice chat is really, really good. And we've got a nice group mm. of us and it's, yeah, we're really, really enjoying it so far. So yeah, next week Excellent. we'll have our next, our next session. Yeah. 
Cool. Okay. Right. Well, that has been our hobby section. Um, so I think we'll take our first little break now. And uh, when we get back into it, we will have a little teeny, teeny, tiny new section. <laughs> <laughs> back soon. Okie dokie. Time for a snippet of news, a mm. dabble of news, a little, you know, yeah. you know, something minor like that, really. An, a, it's, an aperitif. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, it's just a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a pre-starter of news. It's, yeah, it's, um, it's just been one of those sort of, you know, a couple of weeks, really, mm. where not much yeah. has happened. Not that we can complain, really, because we've had a no. lot of lovely stuff especially over the last couple of months even with again self-isolation so yes. it's yeah. you know it was inevitably going to have a little bit of a slowdown and mm. that is now <laughs> this yes, moment so, absolutely so Cameron, <laughs> tell me what's been going on so uh there's not been a whole lot going on uh but speaking of having a big release big release early in the year they did just put out an article on warhammer community about showing the showing the main things that happened so far this year and mm. I could have sworn Wrath of the Everchosen came out at the end of last year. Time is broken. Um, really? Is that, I, is that this year? Yeah, that was that was less than two months ago. Wow, that's bad. That's terrible. I thought, yeah, I thought it was towards yeah. the end of last year. It came out. I think it came out after the Seraphon book, or maybe no, just before it. Really? I think maybe just before it. Yeah, <laughs> that is terrible. Like from a a, mm. a a time shift point of view. Yeah, that is bad. If if that's the case, yeah, the world has been thrown into real disarray oh, man. because getting old. Yeah, it's um, the start of May now, and it feels like it's the end of the year. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for uh for forty k news, there's one piece of news, and that is the Katashan Jungle Fighter Colonel. It's Sergeant Dion, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, so he is, he's a, first off, he's an amazing model. He's mm. absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. Um, it is, it is literally Dylan from Predator, but with a power fist augmentic for his right arm, because obviously he loses his right arm in that film. It all makes <laughs> sense now. There's even glowing green blood on the leaves behind him. Um, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Uh, I'm really, really into this model. Um, there's a couple of other things I really, really like about this model. The first thing is, it is only available through independent stockists. That's all your third-party non-Games Workshop or Warhammer stores. Mm -hmm. Because Games Workshop as a company is specifically telling its customers to go buy from third-party retailers because you want to support your local hobby stores as well as this global multinational company that Games Workshop is. Yeah. Um, and second <laughs> of all, copies of this are being provided free of charge in regular restockment shipments to said independent retailers. Uh, so the independent retailer gets any money they make off of it at all. It's 100% theirs. They're not having to buy these off of Games Workshop first, essentially, which is, again, a really cool move. Um, mm -hmm. This has led, however, because the internet is broken and awful, <laughs> to uh, what is known <laughs> as the curse of the Katachan, I believe, <laughs> was what Kyrgyz was talking about as, um, which is because independent stockers are going through a really rough time worldwide, honestly, they're choosing how to distribute these few copies they have in yeah. a variety of ways, and some people are mad that you can't just buy it. Um, 
first off, it's been revealed that most stores won't be getting more than a handful, which yeah. honestly makes sense to me because Games Workshop's factory is A, still shut, and B, has been shut for quite a while. So these ones currently being sent out are whatever they managed to build up stock of in warehouses before. There's literally hundreds of thousands of third-party retailers across the world. Mm-hmm. These are these are probably being doled out as evenly as possible. It just so happens that means there's not a lot per store. People are obviously upset about this because, again, it's a really, really cool model. Everyone wants it, um, <laughs> especially, especially, I think, because it's a straight-up XB of um, a very, very well-loved sci-fi character. Um, the, the second part of this is because the stores haven't been given any directive on how to sell this, uh, it's being distributed in a few ways. Some stores are saying, um, sorry, the staff have already claimed and paid for these. Um, <laughs> some, which is, uh, um, some stores are doing what I think is probably the most sensible solution, which is a raffle style draw. As in, yeah. if you make a purchase at the store, you get X number of tickets at the end of however long we'll draw all them out and they'll go to the winners. Yeah, that's prob- bad. probably the fairest way to do it, and I think also mm-hmm. really does promote Games Workshop's intent with these, which is to drive business to those smaller stores that have been really suffering. Yeah. Um, some stores are just putting them up on eBay, um, and the bidding has gotten a tad ridiculous in certain yes. cases. Um, <laughs> to be fair, the 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 most egregious high price that I saw was for one where all the proceeds were apparently being donated to a local charity. Mm. But it's also people are going, yes, 300 plus pounds for this <laughs> single Imperial Guard miniature that is 30 points in game. <laughs> He's really nice. He's really, mm. really nice. I love him. I adore him. I wish I could get one. I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that I'm not going to. But at the end of the day, everyone who's freaking out over this, guys, it is a model. It's a toy. Don't start yelling and screaming about it. It is really nice model i love it but it is Mm. just in the end of the day it's just a model made with really good intent i should say some people have been throwing shade at games workshop for only handing a few of these out to each stores again they probably don't have enough to distribute large numbers to every single third party retailer the gesture was really nice it was really well intentioned honestly it seems to have been doing what it was meant to do because some retailers are using it really well for that uh others are just selling them and just selling them is fine um, and you, you know, just don't, don't go nuts over, <laughs> I guess is what I want to <laughs> say, because yeah, it, it's a lovely model, but at the end of the day, it is a model. You don't mm. need it. You don't no. need it. It's uh, the SpongeBob <laughs> picture of, I need it. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I can't say more than, I love the idea, maybe a little poorly structured out but it's a great idea and you please please all stop falling over each other i'm really i'm happy to see all of that honestly (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's a funny one isn't it i mean like you say i i agree i think that the intention is great Uh, i know when you hear that like you said most of the stores are only going to get you know four to half a dozen of them it realized that that's realistic at the same time Mm. they're not going to be given a hundred of them because like you said Mm. how many stores are out there in all the different countries there's loads of them so you know even even if their factory was up and running they're not going to give that many away because it's Mm. still it's still profit because they're still not making money off off this model uh, in that Mm. in that context obviously they're having to 
you know, physically give it away. They've had to spend money creating the mold. They've had to spend money, you know, for a, for someone to design it. So, you know, I, which again, they've got enough money, you know, they're, they're okay money wise. Yeah. So they're not, oh, yeah. they're not poor, but you know, you got to think <laughs> it from a business perspective. It's still time and money has gone into it to then in turn give it away. So, you know, there has mm. to be a realistic, you know, realistic you know, thing with that, that they're not going mm. to just, like I said, give, you know, thousands and thousands to each store. That's, that was never going to be yeah. a thing. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, I think it's a fantastic way to sort of say thanks to the store to, you know, in turn, hopefully drive a little bit of, of mm. uh, business their way when, you know, when the, the chance comes or even on the online stores. And yeah, I, I you know, it, it's a funny one because obviously I know we, when we saw with the recent Katajan, um, Jungle Fire, the uh, the other one that's for the the, yes. the female one for the Sergeant uh, Jackson. That's it, it was, Sergeant Jackson. Yeah, it's for, yeah, it was a, for, a, for uh, store openings. Store openings, that's it. Yeah, which yeah. you know, I I sort of feel sorry for you know fan, Imperial Guard fans where they're like, I want these fantastic models, and realistically, I'm probably not going to get them. Uh, I get that. I get that as a yeah. as a as a criticism, and you know, I I I, I totally feel for them in that sense um but they're imperial guard players so i don't feel for them um (laughs) (laughs) i'm only joking (laughs) i'm only joking uh but no i i i'm hoping though that you know let's take a silver lining from this i'm hoping Mm. for imperial guard fans um that this is where later down the line you are going to get updated jungle fighters you know this is sort of set in the the bar because it seems a bit convenient that they are doing these you know as a thing it seems a bit yeah you know we've we you know obviously we're used to seeing stormcast and primaris lieutenants Mm. and such like being the you know the limited edition uh models and now we're seeing more you know a few jungle fighters now it that just that seems a bit of a coincidence in my mind yeah and so I honestly, think we can see them. yeah, yeah. And honestly, doing the catechins is smart because there's not a whole lot that you actually need to update. Like the, no. the catechin command squad is already great. It looks fine. Mm-hmm. It looks. It doesn't look ridiculous. Um, nope. Apparently, the catechin heavy weapons team is in the same state. Looks pretty good, honestly. The regular catechin squad looks awful. I'm sorry to have to say it. It's not good um, <laughs> at all. <laughs> at all. It's improbable, it's impossible, it is quite frankly ugly. Um I know they're not meant to be pretty, but they're mm. <laughs> this is a step beyond that. Um yeah. so realistically, they they could release they could release these two models as well as a redone Kadishan Jungle Fighter infantry squad and be done. Yeah. That would that would be that would be enough for a remap. Like the vehicles are fine because they're just Imperial Guard vehicles. You slap some jungle fighters popping out of the turrets and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And honestly, with two in a row of uh, standalone Catachin models, I feel like it's there's at least one sculpt of vibing on that whole Catachin aesthetic. And you know that the models come first from Games Workshop, so someone out there is probably making more Catachins. So hopefully. Uh, we start seeing some reduxes of uh, the various Imperial Guard. Yeah, I, I think I think it's coming. I, I I just got this feeling in my old Nagash bones that mm. something is happening here that that to do towards the Imperial Guard because you know they, mm. I mean obviously they've got a, a a big range anyway, but and a lot luckily a lot of their models are you know are perfectly acceptable you know even mm. these days. But yeah, some they could do with probably a little update here. You know, are we gonna you know when are we gonna see the uh, the iconic regiments get re-released, you know, or, or updated, um, I should say, which 
mm. you know, I'm sure is something that they're probably considering. And like you just said, with the, the models coming first, it, I, the, I believe that with how good this one is, how good Sergeant Jackson was, is that if there's a particular sculptor there who's, you know, who's nailing it mm. yeah. <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> these uh, jungle fighters is that I, I can so totally see you go, well, look, I've just redesigned the the base squad now, and mm, obviously, if, yeah. if the the people that make the decisions at GW see that, then mm. you know we could happily see them, yeah. you know, at some point in the future. Yeah. I think it's I mm. think it's going to happen. I'm very very certain. Of that. Oh, absolutely! And like a redone Catachan Jungle Squad would honestly be usable for lots of things. They'd make yeah. great cultists. They'd make yep. great Orlocks for Necromunda. That kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Just just badass women and men with uh you know less equipment overall like they're wearing more vests and stuff because it's hot on katachan and all that <laughs> and uh looking all fierce and muscular that's a great kit people will buy that yeah i'm looking totally. forward to it hopefully it's coming soon um mm. that that single figure is the entirety of the 40k news for the last two weeks so we'll <laughs> we'll uh we'll wiggle on over to age of sigma where the only news is <clears throat> It appears that a real-time strategy video game set in the Age of Sigma universe is coming. Oh? Well, um, isn't it funny that we mm. were talking about this quite recently yeah. on one of the last few episodes? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yet again, <laughs> Yet we again. strike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, honestly, that is, I believe, exactly what we have to go on, which is RTS mm. video game for Age of Sigma. We don't know any... Do we know the studio or anything? I don't. Yeah, it, it, it's fr- if uh, I'm doing I'm doing this totally off the top of my head. I think it's I want to say Frontier Games, and okay. they are the people behind things like Elite Dangerous. Oh, okay. But I believe I read mm. that earlier. Okay, um, and yeah. I believe. Again, I, I, I don't know how official, unofficial this is, because, again, I've just been <laughs> sort of, you know, picking things up. I think it's mm. sort of scheduled for 2023 for PC yeah. and consoles. Um, okay. and, and it's that particular studio that are they're doing yeah. it. So. Well, that that's good, because scheduling it that far out, we're just hearing whispers now, means that it's going to have time to cook and, yep. you know, hopefully be an actual good game. Um, Again... RTS could fall under such things as Total War, so I wasn't sure there, so it seems it's not a Total War Age of Sigma game just yet, but mm-hmm. this could be really good. Honestly, if it's in the style of the original Dawn of War game, I think this would be great. Um, yeah. That kind of thing is a lot of fun. Um, and if it's a little different than that, you know, there's all kinds of things could happen. Who knows? Um Hmm. Maybe maybe one day we'll get Mountain Blade as a uh, Asia Sigma or something like oh. that. <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right; it could be it could be sort of like like bit similar to Dawn of War, or similar to Dawn of War Two, where it's that more smaller scale where you've got individual mm. units, uh, you know, as yeah, opposed to sort yeah. of being massive armies. You've got a collection of heroes and units, but you know, it wouldn't be a massive amount of uh, you mm. know. And, and you know each each per you know each sort of person in the unit is a character of sorts and things like that. So yeah. it could be like a small scale RTS as opposed to it being you know total war. 
Well, I said, mm. the, you know, because RTS can fall into a few categories. It doesn't mean it's full scale, you know, yeah, <laughs> thousands yeah. of uh, of characters uh, wide. So, yeah, mm. but I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm really excited about that. And I'm, I'm just, I know it's, mm. like I said, it's going to be a few years off, but it's it's nice that it you to hear confirmation that it's in the works. Like yes. we are going yeah. to get an AOS RTS, whatever that yes. ends up being. Hopefully that just opens the gamut for a whole bunch of good Age of Sigma games. Because, like, mm. the the thing about 40K is is it has a very, very, very refined aesthetic and a yeah. very long history. And so that can be, I would say, off-putting probably for developers. Like, people are excited to do it, but also it's a lot to work with. Um, whereas Age of Sigma, you can be a lot more flexible and <laughs> still fit it in. And, that, and it's not... I don't want to say it's more generic because it definitely has its own aesthetic, but it is easier to adapt a standard fantasy aesthetic into Age of Sigma than it is to adapt a standard sci-fi into 40K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see in a few years, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's the entirety of the Age of Sigma news. Um, <laughs> so we'll go straight on to the others. Um, mm. In terms of some more video game stuff, uh, Warhammer Underworlds Online is now fully released. It's out of early access. Yeah. Um, I've played a little bit. It is a great game. Mm. Go play it. It's literally just Shadespire Online. If you've been yeah. missing that in isolation, if that's ha- still happening where you guys are, go go get your fix. It's a good mm. game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I can <laughs> say no more about that. You, yeah. I know you feel roughly the same way, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really happy that it's a, one of those where it's actually reflective of the game. Where mm. you know, because obviously we we always say when we see Warhammer related video games where they're nothing like the, the tabletop, you know, where whereas yeah. at least with this, it's like no, they've pretty much replicated the the the, <laughs> the tabletop, which is great because obviously you, you, yeah. sometimes you feel like they don't ever want to do that because obviously it puts people off buying the mm. physical copy and it's you know the the, the tabletop game and you know that yeah. whole situation so uh but no i think i think we will definitely talk about it i think we both i know we've said this before but we both need to play a bit more about of it i think mm. and then we'll really probably devote yeah and then yeah. what i think we'll do is we will devote a section or something in a, in a future episode to actually properly talk about it and uh, give mm. it sort of a bit of justice, I think. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's now, like Cameron said, it's out now to buy properly. And I think it's probably a little bit cheaper at the moment because often when yeah. it, things are new releases on Steam, because obviously it's a PC game, uh, I think it's probably about 10, 20% cheaper than normal. Mm. So yeah, no, go get cool. it. Yeah. Um, and the final bit of news is a very big and important bit of news, fortunately, <laughs> um, which is, for most of the world, uh, the Games Workshop web store has reopened and you can yeah. place orders again. Oh. Yay, everyone. Hooray. A, Mo- unless you're me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I got tricked by uh, Games Workshop's region uh, distinctions because they said the web store is reopening in these regions, you know, the UK, this city, this city, this country, this mm. country, this country, this country. And then it just said rest of Europe and rest of world. And I went, oh, why are they specifying? That seems to be everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I scrolled yeah. down. It's like, we're not reopening in Australia, the US, New Zealand, um, France and Italy, I believe might also be off the list. Yeah. I know, I know Italy definitely is. Um, mm. so I'm a little saddened. Um, I understand 
why Italy and the US are off the list. I'm not quite sure why <laughs> Australia is. We're doing very well. Thank you very much. But I think they just don't want to ship things to us anymore. Probably not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah. Part of me is like, is this Games Workshop's long play to just cut off Australia completely and just ignore <laughs> oh, no. us? Nah, no, not, they wouldn't do that to you guys. You've got such a <laughs> thriving... Uh, community yeah. over there so yeah. no, i don't think that'll be the mm. case luckily no, no. It's, it, it's it's a funny situation actually because like obviously being in the uk i was on there day one mm. the other day um trying to see what what was going to happen obviously you had to get in a queue because i think it opened at at 7 a.m I, I i woke up at half six not not to go on the website <laughs> I will add. it was just i happened to wake up at that time and uh, i thought oh let's see what's what's going on with the store and obviously yeah it puts you in the queue and then obviously it lets you in at 7 uh, a.m and you know they've done some nice little things like for example here in the uk because obviously you don't have the option to have it sent to a store because obviously the stores mm. are all still closed is they have the free postage minimum order mm. which is really good because yeah. obviously you know here in the uk usually to get free postage you have to spend at least 40 pounds or you can have it sent to a store for free whereas mm. what they've done is they've lowered that to 20 pounds minimum order and you get it for uh, you know, for free postage, which is good because yeah. let's be honest, you know, it's not hard to spend 20 quid on an order <laughs> at King's yeah. Workshop. So yes. <laughs> that doesn't, that's not difficult at all to do. Um, the, the, the irony is though, I went on there and I bought nothing because it, it's, it's funny because most of the stuff that's on my want list at, at this moment in time on the projects I'm working on, none of it, everything I should say is sort of non-direct i.e. Mm. I'm going to wait for the indie stores so I can yeah. get it cheaper if I'm being brutally honest. <laughs> you know, I don't, if it was something, if it was direct stuff, you know, where only GW could sell it at the moment, then obviously that would be totally different. But yeah, because everything I want will be at, you know, Alchemists and, and all the other indie stores, um, I'm just going to wait for them to get the stock in and then buy that stuff there. Mm. I just saw, yeah, I saw, I, yeah. it was quite weird actually going, oh, well, I'm not going to mm. buy anything then. <laughs> yeah. I'll wait. Uh, that, that's you know? absolutely fair. But, yeah, but it's um it's nice to see they're reopening. Um, definitely. Again, like you said, there's a few caveats, which is you have to join a queue because they yep. don't want you overwhelming the ordering system. Um. And they've put limits on orders of certain products, which, again, mm. is for the greater good. Can't get more than three of a paint. Can't get more than three of a spray. Can't yep. get more than three of Prophecy of the Wolf, because they yes. knew someone <laughs> would try. Um, <laughs> I keep forgetting I'm, I've got mine coming at some point, because mm, obviously I, yeah. I got it just before we went into lockdown and obviously mm. Alchemist never got it in stock, unfortunately, because it you know, yeah. got sent to them, you know, because of lockdown and mm. obviously hopefully it should be winging its way. So I, yeah, it's going to be one of those things that's just going to randomly turn up in, <laughs> in my <laughs> house. I'm like, Oh yes, I ordered that. Didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like, cause I haven't got it. I feel like I don't, I forgot I yeah, ordered it. Yeah. So that's going to be a nice surprise one day and hopefully in the next week mm. or two, if it, if that's the way things go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which it's good. And of course, all the independent stores are now getting their restocks with the yes. caption kernel hidden in there like some ancient curse. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to stuff like that reopening here in Australia because I miss my community. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> WA should hopefully be, uh, easing restrictions relatively soon. We've just completed four days, no new cases in the state. Hooray. Um, <laughs> so we're, do- we're doing pretty well here. The rest of Australia is doing fine, honestly. Um, so yeah, I feel we're cut off simply because we're 
too difficult to ship stuff out to. Um, <laughs> it, it should be noted the factory has still not reopened, um, so no. they can't make new things. So they will, no. if if this stays long enough, they will start running out of stuff. Don't yep. freak out over that. When they reopen the factory, they'll get to making all that again. Um, and, of course, things will probably take a little longer than usual to get to you because they have to practice social distancing in the warehouses and all the shipping people have to practice social distancing as well, all that kind of stuff. But it's uh, it's not a return to Warhammer normalcy, but it's a, it's a step there. Which yeah, and that's, yeah, and that's the way things good. are going to be, aren't they? I mean, mm. ultimately, this is a reflection of the world. You know, it's all going to be mm. baby steps now of, you know, things going yeah. back towards normality. And, you know, it, like I said, it, it was never going to be a situation where, like, ta-da, we're all back open now and everything's back. <laughs> that's never, was never going to be a yeah. thing. Whereas, you know, no. this is a nice little step forward. It's that, okay, mm. we're not quite back to normality, but... You know, it's still early days, but, you know, this is a, a nice way for, you know, some parts of the world now to at least get their uh, grey plastic fix again. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Right. right. That's been that's been it, yeah. So, like we said, mm. it was, you know, not much news, but, you know, we're always going to have uh, weeks like that, which is totally cool, because I'm no doubt GW are going to make up for it at some point in the future oh, yeah. when they smash us with more reveals. And I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping soon we'll see... Yeah something more because obviously as of around now you know this sort of period this is when um warhammer fest would be have been if obviously yeah. we weren't in in uh lockdown so obviously i'm not entirely sure when we saw the twitch reveals you know one two and three i don't obviously that mm. was connected to adeptcon but it may have been an amalgamation of a few things so mm. it'll be interesting to see have we seen what would have been shown at warhammer fest i was that part of these previews we've seen recently or is there more to come have they held them back because mm. of lockdown so don't know i feel like we'll i'm, I'm scratching myself going i need some more reveals i know we've been greedy and we've had a lot <laughs> recently but i feel like i need some more for some reason <laughs> isn't that sad that, that it's almost like because mm. we've you know we've been doing this for a few years now and we're so used to seeing new stuff all the time aren't they and yeah. it's almost like when we don't see new stuff for a week or two it's like what's going on <laughs> it's it feels, like, it and- feels really wrong <laughs> yeah, but we shouldn't be that greedy because we get so no. much. <laughs> but for some reason, it just feels weird. Oh, oh God, I remember <laughs> when I first got into this, and you know you'd be happy to see something come out for your system once a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Cool. Right. Mm. Okay. Well, like I said, we'll finish the new section now and take our next little break. And then we'll be, when we come back, we'll be into the main law topic and, I don't know, mm. find out why Nagash has got an obsession with a certain structure. Yeah, he he loves his pyramids, that lad. (laughs) (laughs) Back soon. Okay, here we are. Black Pyramid Mm. time. Like I said earlier, Cameron has uh, given in his brownie points. He's been a good boy. And we're finally covering this novel because, uh, well, I, I've been meaning to read it for a long time. And obviously people that listen to the show know how praising Cameron is of this. And so yeah. we thought, yes, let's do it. Let's finally talk about Flat yes. Pyramid. So as always, because we're going to be talking about a novel that's, you know, fairly recent, um, mm. you know, spoiler warnings. We will be talking about, you know, the details within. Uh, mm. So, yeah, you have been warned. <laughs> but uh right okay uh i'm going to read the back of the book yeah so just to it. give some some sort of context 
because I actually own the book of this, because usually I'm, <laughs> as you know, an audiobook guy, but this, I've actually got the physical copy because they haven't done an audio <laughs> of it. So, as cities rise across the mortal realms, Lord Celestant Gardas Steel Soul leads his hallowed knights into darkest Shaish, hoping to gain a foothold for the forces of Azir. But, as the foundations of a new citadel are laid, the hallowed knights find themselves beset by enemies both living and dead, including the Mortark of Night, Manfred von Karstein. Now Gardas must lead his warriors into the very heart of darkness in order to save the soul of a warrior long thought lost. Dot, 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 dot. Mm. <laughs> so, there we have it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we know, I, obviously we know the answer to this question cameron yes. but tell us anyway and tell us why why what do you think of this this particular novel <laughs> i'm a big fan of this book um <laughs> i am a really big fan of this book and i just finished rereading it for the third time earlier today and hmm. that has reiterated my love for this book it was just as good the third time as the first time which is pretty hmm. impressive honestly um, with the way I tend to read into things, um, and then go back and pick through them and try and pull them apart, because literature classes broke me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is great. It is, um, it is like we discussed on our Warhammer Waffle, which you've almost certainly listened to before this. I like books with impact. Mm. Books with impact are good. This book has impact. It talks about a bunch of really interesting subjects. It has character growth. It has character degeneration, I guess, like characters mm-hmm. going back and forth uh, in their actual growth. But eventually, eventually, it's all character growth. Uh, I guess character arc is probably the best way to put it. <laughs> um, <laughs> alas, poor Bacchus. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it it introduces some ideas that I find frankly fascinating. It introduces a character who I really hope is in more things because he is one of my favorite Age of Sigma characters. And that's saying a lot. There's a lot of really great ones out there. Yeah. Um, You're talking about Ghost Eater, I take it. I'm talking about Ghost Eater, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, just just in general, it's good uh, because, I mean, sort of spoiler for the end of this book, um, Age of Sigma generally feels much more heroic than 40k. Mm. The ending of this book is kind of a downer, and I kind mm. of really, really like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, the... Um, so the, the 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 hero's soul they're seeking to save, who was long long, long since thought lost, is uh, Tarsus Bullhart, a mm. uh, very famous uh, stormcast from the Hallowed Knights, mm-hmm. um, and they they get him in the end, and he is just a broken, insane mess, and nothing yep. more, and they and they have to kill him, <laughs> like yeah. to send him back to Azir, and that is the downer ending of this entire book. That was the point this book built up to, and you get there, mm. it's like, yes, they've, they've rescued him, they've gotten him back from Nagash's clutches, and he's this stumbling, drooling maniac who tries to throttle the first person he sees. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's rough, it's harsh, and it's mm. dark, and it's awful, and that's a nice change from a lot of the AOS fiction, where things are bad, things are brutal and grim and dark and everything, but ultimately AOS has a lot more hope and heroism built mm. into its narrative. Yeah, especially when um, the Stormcast Eternals are involved as mm. well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and this book even covers that. Like, the, we get a lot of stuff from Stormcast's perspective. We get their doubts, their introspections, you know, mm. the fact that they are still afraid of dying. Dying's not great, and mm. all that kind of stuff, even if they're these technically immortal heroes in golden armor and everything. Like, everything this book talks about is super cool. 
There is not yeah. one bit that I'm not interested in in this entire yeah. thing, even when it's like the politicking of the various free guild regiments and the <laughs> arcade and stuff. I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. It's, it's very full of character. This book, every mm. everyone matters. Even the even the characters that maybe appear once or twice, they get you know they're mm. still given a name, and you you know they're described in such a way that you yeah you can imagine them, and then they still feel like they they have some say in this story. Mm. Like they they are yeah. they have a purpose um, because obviously sometimes when you read some of the other novels, not necessarily AOS, but obviously Forty K or any of them, is mm. there is filler characters where you're like yeah I forget about that one because. Yeah. They have no impact. Whereas in this, you feel like they have even a minor impact or in some mm. cases where you almost forget about them. And then they just like, like the priest, for example, the, mm. the, there's like that reoccurring priest that turns up and, and then he just randomly turns up in the epilogue at the end. You're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot about <laughs> him. And there yep. he is. <laughs> um, but I think what I like particularly, I, I, I'm to echo your thoughts. I, I was very, very impressed with this novel. And I think mm. that, you know, for again, for people listening for context, this is basically f- uh, not directly, but a follow on from Plague Garden. So it's not mm. a sequel; it's a sequel, but not you know, as in its same sort of characters. It follows on from yeah. Plague Garden. Um, obviously, mm. it's involving Gardas, uh, St- Steel Soul again, and obviously you get mm. reoccurring characters like Rasmus and uh, Grim, yeah. and, and obviously we get some new Storm cast in there as well. Uh, so mm. it, yeah, it's just, but obviously it's a different story. You know, it's, it's a, it's basically a triple threat. <laughs> it's mm. order versus death mm. versus chaos yeah. <laughs> in a triple Ooh. threat match. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's important to note, despite being released after Age of Sigma 2.0 came out, this is actually set before the Necroquake. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is pre Necroquake. Um, yeah, because the Black Pyramid of the Necroquake shows up in this, and Manfred is like, "Yeah, Nagash won't tell me what that's for." <laughs> he seems to really like it though, <laughs> and yeah. it was like, "Yeah, it's weird, but nothing's happened yet, so it's probably fine." I'm like, "You fools." <laughs> <laughs> It's, so yeah, so that's again, yeah, good good context as well. And I think what where this sort of has its strengths in this novel is that to me, each of those three forces, the you know, the chaos, the death, and order, if you want to look at it that way, um, they, they've all got prominent characters that mm. to to sort of separate them apart, but then obviously bring them together. So you know, obviously the the order have got obviously Gardas, you got Erasmus, and mm. you know, and obviously some of the you know even um, is it Lorcus the the yeah. free guild um, sort of duke who's yeah. going to take over the place. Um, mm. Then obviously when you look at death, you've got obviously Manfred von Karstein, um, mm. and then obviously in turn for a bit you get Nagash, and then obviously the chaos side you've got uh, Bacchus the the Slaneshi lord, and obviously mm. Ghost Eater, you know, and and again obviously more characters yeah. than that, but they they're all very you know, very polarizing, but also mm. it, it, it seems to me that this sort of novel is focused around parallels a lot in the sense that you've mm. got like lots of characters literally deal, you know, dealing with their demons and their spirits, aren't they? If you, if you, mm. Do you notice that, they, that there's yeah. obviously like, well, let's talk about Ghost Eater, for example. So Ghost Eater is an albino uh beast of chaos so you know a, mm-hmm. a gore he's a gore isn't he i think or is he, yeah i think that's he's, what... he's an he's an unusual gore he has a lion head and he has six horns in the sort mm-hmm. of the symbol of slanesh um yeah. but yeah he, he's unusual primarily because he's got a bestial head rather than a sort of human head and um yes yeah and he's clearly blessed by slanesh yeah um, yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, who um, who gets uh, described as the absent god through yeah. this, which is quite interesting. Which is a Again, great title as well. Yeah, exactly. You don't really obviously you know it's Slanesh because obviously you, you get demonettes uh, mm. and obviously the the way things get described. But they all when they describe Slanesh, they call him the absent god, which is like I said, very appropriate because obviously you know in with in with the law at that time he's you know he's he's hidden <laughs> hidden away mm. so that's sort of very appropriate so but no with ghost eater you know he's a, a very prominent character because uh, as per his um his title uh mm. he has literally got spirits within him talking in his head which i think yeah. is amazing yeah that's his unique blessing from slanesh is if he kills someone he can choose to eat their soul Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't do it automatically. At nope. one point, actually, a, a another Beast of Chaos asks him not to, uh, because he's dedicated his soul to corn. And yes, he's, and again, this is why Ghost Eater, Ghost Eater is interesting. This guy challenged him for leadership of the local beast tribes, obviously lost. And at the last moment, he's like, "Sure, kill me, leave me my soul." And he goes, "Yeah, of course, that makes sense." Like he's got this weird sense of morality, almost, mm. or at least. At least a sense of how things, I, th- I feel it's more like a sense of hierarchy, almost like he understands instinctively how things should be as a beast of chaos. Like he understands, <laughs> you know, I shouldn't take this from that. That's fine. Let the gods have what is theirs. Let the beasts have what is ours, et cetera, et cetera. And he's just, God, he's an incredible character. I love him. <laughs> um, he goes through so much growth in this book and he's mm. also only really in the first two thirds of the book. Yeah. Like, and he's not in that a whole lot. He's in, like, I think a total of five or six scenes, it feels mm. like. Um, yeah, but, he sort of yeah. feels like he, he feels like he doesn't, in a way, when you actually sort of look at him, he doesn't do much, but he does a lot at the same time. He sort of, mm. he's not involved too much. He's almost like, he feels like he's a back character. He's not, mm. he's not there fighting all the time. I think, yeah. like I said, he, but he fights once in, in a, you know, in a, in a challenge. And then mm. the rest of the time he's learning. And that's, that yeah. feels like all he's doing, but yeah. that it's, makes it sound quite derogatory, <laughs> but it's not. Yeah. Actually, no, no, no. <laughs> It's almost like a meta narrative because the big thing with the overall Beast of Chaos arc in this is the slaves to darkness, the um, the servants of Slanesha, have just been basically using and abusing them ever since they moved to this area of Shaish. And at one point, the beasts just leave; they fade away into the background, and it feels like it's probably not intentional, but Ghosty's story feels like that. It's the points where he becomes interesting and they pay attention to him, and then he just slides back in the background. He's just another beast. Why would you ever pay attention to him until you get to that point where um, he betrays the Slaves of Darkness by just leaving the city with every single beast man in it mm-hmm. and leaving them, leaving them all to die. And then you go like, oh, oh, God, okay. He's <laughs> <laughs> like even leaving the guy who, you know, whose life he had saved earlier, who's like, I owe you a life debt. I have to work for you. Effectively, this one warrior of chaos is uh, mm-hmm. indebted to him. And yeah. he's like... He feels sad to leave him, I think is a really important thing. Like that, that's part of his growth because he starts out as a relatively normal beast of chaos. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like by the, by the time he abandons the slaves to darkness, he feels really bad about leaving Chael, uh, his like little retainer warrior mm. of chaos guy behind. But he goes, this, this human has no place in the world I am creating. And I go, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> give me more ghosty i want to see where he goes over like the next 10 years of his life see what happens as he sort of just 
builds a beast empire in Shaiish. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Well, that's sort um, of what he that's what he was sort of insinuating because also mm. he he makes the point that he's basically going to leave the the other the normal mortal warriors of of chaos to just to deal with the stormcast and obviously the inevitable dead that are going to rise uh, mm. here as well and then he's basically going to come back and with like I said with a bigger army and and mm. deal with it then he actually makes that point that that's what he wants them to do like no I'll I'll take this you know almost take this loss I'm not mm. going to get involved you know us beast we're going to go away you know the 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 city's going to be built because obviously for context yeah. um the re- the sort of the premise of this because I haven't, re- haven't really said this yet the premise of this particular novel is that there is a city known as Cado uh, I suppose that's how you pronounce mm-hmm. it Cado um that basically has a realm gate which is the covine realm gate uh at the top of this sort of ziggurat basically mm-hmm. um which is a link from azir to shaish from memory mm-hmm. i think that's the yep. the two um so obviously the it's sort of it's been abandoned it's sort of not it's not been open for years so the plan is a combination of the hallowed knights of stormcast plus free guild are going to basically commandeer Caddo sort of take mm. it back because it's sort of as like I said abandoned and you they're worried about the catacombs because there's basically lots of uh sort of dead you know undead that are down there that could rise and and will start to um and then in context uh, as well you've got Bacos which is the like I said the Sanashi lord who's mm. basically uh, he's <laughs> he's an interesting character as well but he's basically looking for his lost love uh on mm. behalf of a promise from Archaon and he's ba- yeah. he's basically the guardian of this this particular mm. area he's sort yeah. of you know on behalf of chaos um so as i said the you know the forces of order are about to are basically coming over to take it back um and then like i said it is almost like a triple threat because you've then got uh death involved in this because via mm. manfred von karstein where he, yeah. he is basically planning um uh, to basically take un, you know to raise the dead create an army and use it to basically get in favor with Nagash basically. Yeah. So that's where, mm-hmm. so there's three forces here, all wanting this particular area, uh, this mm-hmm. particular city for all for different reasons. And it tends up, you know, ends yeah. up being obviously a big fight, mm. but, but yeah. in, in many different ways. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of the, uh, the parallels you mentioned earlier, the big one is, so ghost eater is literally surrounded and haunted by dozens of ghosts because he's killed and eaten a lot of people of various kinds. There's like, there's a dwarf soul there somewhere. There's a skaven, uh, at the start, which is always like, no, you stupid idiot, bad beast, <laughs> <laughs> run, hide, cowardice is good, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, and in particular has one very prominent soul, which is, I believe his name is Hermst, uh, a former architect. Yes. Uh, who is, who is again, super interesting. He's basically his own full character, despite the fact that we only get any of his dialogue when, uh, Ghost Eater is thinking to himself. Um, <laughs> and these ghosts all talk all the time and Ghost Eater listens to them and he learns things from them, which is, this is really his catalyst to becoming something greater is, um, yeah. this one, this one particular soul of the architect, um, who starts trying to force him to understand things like, you know, you're about to be trapped, they're going to collapse those buildings on the army here, or, like, you could use that column to knock down onto your rival and win this fight uh-huh. that you might lose, otherwise that kind of thing. Um, and they are always present to some degree, but he can ignore them. Then the parallels here is you have two other characters in a sort of, kind of similar situation. The main key, easy-to-identify one is Manfred, yeah. who is 
so old and so sort of mentally broken at this point that he full on hallucinates whenever his yeah. memories appear <laughs> to the yep. point where he is in his head having full conversations with like old people, old comrades and that kind of thing, including uh, Tarsum, which mm-hmm. was Tarsus Bullhart before he got reforged as a Stormcast. Yep. Um, and again, while Ghost Eater is seeking to acquire more of these ghosts or memories and thus learn more and become more, uh, Manfred is trying to get rid of them <laughs> effectively because <laughs> yep. they are they are really impeding him. Like there, there's points where he's obviously clearly insane. You know, he's locked in a cell and he's just talking to himself constantly because um, he speaks out loud with these memories, I guess. Um, and you know, he seeks to do so. so uh, we get an unlikely alliance here. Manfred teams up with some of the Hallowed Knight Stormcast to attempt to free Tarsus from Nagash's grips. Uh, because Manfred feels like he owes, not Tarsus, but the person he was before, Tarsem. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, little bits of, uh, wibbly-wobbly, stormcasty, warmcasty, <laughs> um, stuff there. Are they really who they were before? Some of them don't remember anything. Some of them remember everything. Um, uh, and he feels that if he can do this, he might be freed of Tarsem's memory and not yeah. have it torment him all the time anymore. Um, and then on the order side, um, not quite as prominent, but Gardas is also in some ways governed and guided by his memories and like previous, previous lives almost. Um, it, again, it's not so full on. They don't talk to him. He doesn't hmm. full on hallucinate at any point, but he often reminisces on his time as a healer or his previous campaigns as a Stormcast. And it's a, it's not quite as strong a parallel, but I feel it's there for a reason, which is, like, mm. how the past can affect you and how you can use that to work towards, like, you know, Manfred is trying to forget the past, Ghost Eater is trying to learn from the past, and um, Gardas is looking at the past saying, that is what it is, this is now, so he's accepting the past. Mm. We're reading we're reading too deep. I have I have a hundred percent assurance Josh Reynolds probably didn't intend it to be quite like that. <laughs> I think I think no, I, I, I think he did actually. I think I think the because we're both we're both in agreement. We both read it and we're both saying you know that's the point I was going to make is that mm. you know about dealing with demons. You've got multiple characters that okay some are literally have demons in them. Some are mm. you know <laughs> imagining them and some uh, sort of you know more. Um, you know (laughs) metaphorical than that and it Mm. sort of i think what it draws in is a situation where these characters uh are not as black and white as you would imagine them to be because Mm. obviously look at manfred he's you know he's a mortark of nagash he's an Mm. evil vampire he's you know he he's you know he's mistrusted (laughs) by everyone that deals with him yet he does have a slight conscience as well Mm. there is moments of him where you know he is not this evil vampire that you think he's going to be all the time um mm. and you see that in his arguments with Rasmus Rasmus is the lord relictor that uh, that obviously those two have got you know beef with each other from a previous <laughs> uh, you know from, from previous times and in turn you, you know look at ghost eater okay he's mm. a beast you know he's a beast man he's a beast of chaos he's you know he should be again all evil you know all these tropes mm. You know, things that yeah. should be happening. But then at the same time, again, he's got a bit of a conscience. He sort of thinks, mm. well, you know, is this the, you know, the, you know, should it just be rabble, 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 chaos, chaos, <laughs> chaos? It's like, no, 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 you know, things are going to be different. I'm going to think mm. about what I do, think of the mm. consequences. He's thinking of his own men. Where in contrast, Bacos, as a Seneshi lord, is like, you know, 
throwing his his you know his troops at uh, yeah. at the uh, at the stormcast and such like so that you know he, he doesn't care if they die or not you know it's, it's, yeah. so it's mm. it's not just because these are you know these are chaos these are death you know these are yeah. order they're not you know and, and and in turn the order ones which you know the, the perceived good guys we mm. actually see moments where like there's one particular point when they're talking, you know, as we've seen before, where it talks about some of the things that happen to Stormcast as they keep getting reforged. Mm. Like one of them, or a few of them, were noted as being really enjoying it killing. You know, which, mm. which you wouldn't associate with Stormcast, particularly, yeah. would you think? No, Stormcast, they're, you know, they're the righteous defenders of the humans under Sigmar. But mm. no, they're actually, some of them are getting quite savage and actually taking yeah. great delight in killing them. And it's like, you know, so again, the tables are, t- like, again, it's those shades of grey again, where it's like, mm. no, these are the, supposed mm. to be the good guys, but they're enjoying massacring chaos, you know? And yeah. it's like, oh, okay, that's a... That's a bit of a turn, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, so I, I think that's what I think that's what he again. You, you could be right, maybe mm-hmm. maybe he didn't in, in envision this, but I think he sort of had because it seems a bit too much of a coincidence. These characters are going mm-hmm. through similar situations, just in different ways, where you know, good guys are starting to be a bit bad, bad guys are starting to be a bit good, and then ultimately, yeah. all it's showing is that is there good and bad guys? Not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, not really. Oh God, it's it's so good like oh uh, i could talk about this for forever like um manfred is as you said fantastic he's again he's a good guy he's a bad guy he is super like humanized in this Mm. book i think is one of the best ways Mm. first off this is not a stormcast book this is absolutely a manfred book disguised as a stormcast book it starts (laughs) it starts with manfred hundreds of years in the past at still a vampire, obviously, but fighting side by side with the human defenders of a city and, like, having to make the difficult choice of his friend Tarsum says, leave me here to hold the rear and go save my people. Mm. And, like, argues argues against that and everything. And there is, like, genuine attachment between these people. They are brothers in arms. They love each other. Uh, and Manfred is supremely, like, emotionally like hurt and disturbed and you know deeply sad about this event to the point where it's haunting him all these hundreds of years later obviously <clears throat> um but the very first thing we see is like manfred being sort of a good guy yeah um and we also get the first of very 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 many little easter eggs which is um tarsem's <clears throat> tarsem's uh wife to be uh his bride to be is fighting in another part of the city her name is roca she's the head executioner of the city uh, yep. She shows up in Soul Wars as the Lord Executioner in the Nighthorn faction. Oh, there. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't one connect of her those things in, Yeah, one of her things in there is when she fights Stormcast, she screams at them like, you took my husband from me. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and that, yeah. now you mention it. I remember that <laughs> character in Soul Wars. Yeah, oh, I hadn't yeah. thought of that. Yeah, because her husband-to-be got reforged and mm. joined her in the underworld afterwards. So yeah, she was remade course. into this ventral spirit and like, I was like, mm. that's right at the start. I'm like, oh, that's a cool little Easter egg. I wonder if mm. there'll be any others. There were a few others. Oh, <laughs> there, are yeah, quite a few like, there is a few. <laughs> <laughs> um, my personal favorite, I only noticed today as kind mm. of the end of the book, but Slambo makes an appearance in this mm. book. Yeah, uh, again, the, I noticed until you pointed that out. <laughs> yeah, the, the classic green armored dual wielding axes chaos warrior is absolutely def- definitively in this book he's like described down to a t just leaping over a barricade and beating the crap out of a bunch of handgunners um 
he's <laughs> awesome. Um, there's all that kind of stuff all the way through. It's great. Um, yeah, and then there's also also reference to Tornus mm. as well. Yes, yeah, in, in, in there, and obviously you've got and and it's in, mm. you know, obviously you've got reoccurring characters like Rasmus and and mm. uh, Grim and and such. Like, um, I, I yeah. mean, I I think as well actually, this what I quite liked was how varied the Stormcast were in this because mm. I think the the more I read about Stormcast, the more I enjoy reading about Stormcast. I think that. Mm. I know we covered this a bit in, in Play Garden as well, where they've gone from, you know, the early days of, of uh, the Realm Gate Wars, like, you know, so I am mm. a big guy in armor and I've come to save the day <laughs> with my hammer. You know, it's sort of very mm. much that sort of mentality, whereas now they're all very, very different. Uh, mm. And this, I, 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 and I think again, purposely that Joss Reynolds has done this in this novel where he's made them so, mm. so different. Obviously we know about Gardas. We know he is, he is the heroic type, but obviously he's mm. dealing with the the pressure on him as a Lord Celestant. You know, he mm. was formerly a, he used to work in a hospice, you know, pre, pre Stormcast. And obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's the good guy wanting to give people a chance and, yeah. and, and save them, you know, for in even, even the bad guys, which we mm. see as well. But then, you know, you've got Rasmus, the, the Lord Relictor, the, very very grumpy <laughs> a lot of it lord relictor um yes. you know but again he's got he's dealing with his his failure basically mm. so again it's, yeah it is it, he's really trying to humanize the mm. stormcast which i think is is perfectly it's, needed in this oh, yeah. in this context i think yeah and we also see what they might do outside of a war context which is a lot mm. of fun because part of this is retaking the city of Caddo and rebuilding it as just a, a sister city to one, uh, I believe it's Nordrafi in Azir, because mm-hmm. they're yep. linked by a realm gate. Yep. Um, and there's, there's a few scenes where there's the three Lord Castellans are like gleefully rubbing their hands going, oh, it's going to take so many years to build these ramparts. I love building stuff. And the, uh, there's, <laughs> yeah. and there's like Lord Ordinator Taltus is just checking a scribe's math and going, oh, you got that calculation wrong, but don't feel bad. You're only off by a little bit. And oh, just double check your maths here and everything. Mm. <laughs> like, just seeing them in, I, I want to say Not- almost like a, a peacekeeping force. Like yeah. kind of uh, kind of description for them. Well, like they're not just here to level the city; they're here to you know save it and then rebuild it. It's kind of cool. Well, um, the, the perfect example of that is mm. is I think her name is it Keller, isn't she? She's yeah. the, Kayla. Um, she's the uh, Lord Castellan, and mm. there's this moment where you know they're preparing to get ready for war, and there's children putting flowers mm. in her hair, and I'm thinking. Yes. That sounds like the most unstormcast thing to <laughs> to happen. These are warriors that get beamed down in lightning to fight mm. primarily, obviously chaos and anyone yeah. else really that deals. And it's like you know that was so great to read. Mm. So I know it's such a yeah. simple line, but like like the fact she's sort of interacting with these children, just letting them put flowers in her hair before she mm. goes to fight. You know, in yeah. war, it's yeah. so yeah. It is so it seems so such a de- you know detachment from what you often mm. expect of them. And again, yeah. she's another great character that sort of mm. that comes in that that you know obviously he's dealing with bits of guilt where obviously when Rasmuth is about to you know ship himself off to to Shaiish to um or to mm. Nagashazar to obviously yeah. uh, deal with the, the whole Tarnas situation um uh, Tarsus and but then she's but then she's like don't push me around as well because obviously yeah. that's one thing we also see as well is that is the actual relationship with the different 
Stormcast within the mm. Hallowed Knights because obviously the Hallowed Knights is the storm host, but then you've obviously got multiple. Oh, what's the word? Not chambers. Um, um, the other no, word. I think it is. Is it chambers? Because I thought I they had a different. Uh, yeah, it, the, it's hard to tell. Some I think chambers yeah. both refers to the different like classes of Stormcast, but can also refer to the different like warbands effectively within a storm host. Yeah, it's that's the point. Yeah. It's like the different. It's like basically the different companies. Within yeah. the because the, the storm host is basically the the chapter if if you're comparing mm-hmm. it to space marines whereas the yeah yeah the the uh, the chambers but I swear they had a a different um, name but anyway I could be dig- yeah. I'm digressing yeah. but yeah you know where you've you know but basically you've got the steel souls you've got the bull hearts you've got the storm forged you know, yeah. and uh, such like and the the angelos ones as well. Is it Angelos as yeah. well? The, yeah. yeah, these ones. An- Angelos yeah. is the actual uh, chamber, which is like everyone with the wings, basically. That's it. But they come from the one of those three chambers that are there that is... It's complicated. Uh, it might yeah. be a Games Workshop wording issue at this point, honestly. <laughs> that's <laughs> what, that's the chambers. one I'm lo- <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. That's what, that's what I mean. The Angelos is like, to me, is a chamber. It's the ones that mm. are not that. Yeah, yeah, the ones where they're sort of companies within... That mm. what uh, right? Mm. They're called right. Well, actually, looking, at, I've just looked them up. They're called Wrong warrior right? chamber, warrior, warrior chambers. chambers. Okay. So yeah, so the Stormforge, the Bull Hearts, the Steel Souls, and mm. there's also the Gleaming Host and the Iron Hearts, but they're not mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that that you know you've got the actual politics and things with them as well, where they're like mm. you know obviously Gardas is in is in his overall commander of the uh, mm. of the of this particular force and. And is uh, being lined up to be potentially Lord Commander as well, you know, mm. by Sigma. And then he's like, oh, no, you know, I don't want that. You know, I just want to help people. Um, mm. But then you've got, like I said, you've got points where, you know, Rasmus and, and Kalar, who are obviously of two different uh, warrior chambers within mm. the, the Hallowed Knights. And they're like, well, no, you can't tell me what to do. And or yeah. they'll be like, no, you, I'm the same rank as you. Don't tell me mm. what I should be doing. You know, and again, I like that. Yeah. It's not, they're not all going, mm. yes, my lord, yes, I'll do that. It's like, no, no, yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> I'll listen to you, but I'm not necessarily going to do what you tell me. It's like, mm. you know, which yeah. again is that similar as what you see sometimes in 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 40k with the Space Marines, where there are obviously different mm. chapters, and like, well, you know, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> and again, I like that. It's sort of the way they're thinking outside of things. But again, yeah. ca- carrying on with these different characters, like um, I love the. Haraldor as well. Um, yes, Asanas. Uh, o- Asanas. Again, he's he's basically a space wolf. Yeah. <laughs> as, as a he's from Gur. He's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got a big beard. He likes to sing. You know, he has that sort of, the way the way he talks is very much of that as well. And it's, it, mm. he, again, he's a fantastic, again, situation, especially when he's dealing with Rasmuth. Rasmuth is yeah. this, you know, very bitter now, Lord Relictor, Who's I said very grumpy, and then you've got as I said you've got him in comparison. He's <laughs> like, ah, let's just sing, my friend, and you know, just yeah. And you know, again, it just shows how different they are. That they're not all just mm. these, you know, men and women in armor where you can't see their faces, and they're just mm. all you know. A lot of them are. A lot of them are just shield walls, but oh, a yeah. lot of them are these very diverse characters. Mm. And I think fair play to Josh for bringing it out, especially over these different books. We're yeah. seeing so how different, how you know, how weak they can be, how powerful mm. they can be, how yeah. flawed they can be, uh, you know, and 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 all things. And I and I'm just hoping the more books we get like this, yes. that we'll see more and more of this. I love it. I love yes. when when 
you know, again, in 40K with Space Marines, I love it when they start self-doubting themselves. I love it when they start mm. questioning things yeah. because it just gets away from that robotic, you know, mm. I'm a killing machine, you know, and that's all I do. No, there's yeah. much more yeah. to them than that. I think that's why. Great. I think that's why Gardas in particular is a really fun character and why there's been a lot written about him because, like, one of his things is he's constantly questioning everything, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even Sigma. Even Sigma, oh, yeah, that's one of the big things is he, he doesn't have a crisis of faith, I would say, but he's always testing his own faith and questioning it and, like, do I understand this? Is Sigma really on my side for this and all that kind of thing? And part of this is he he almost doubts the gods to a degree. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone has actually seen Sigma for who he really is. I think we just see what we think he should be, just magnified to a deific standard. And, yeah. you know, he just lets us go along with that, which is, which is a disturbing idea, honestly. Uh, <laughs> Sigma, Sigma was 100% definitely at some point a real human. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's come a long way. Um, <laughs> but then, then also it's like that applies to the nature of Stormcast themselves. Um, we know Gardas has this ability where, you know, if he's not controlling himself, he sort of leaks light. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens for the first time without his helmet on, uh, in this book and, Apparently, he is just some kind of weird celestial construct, basically. Mm. He is, he, as far as I can tell from this book, Gardas is less flesh and blood and more Azerian starlight woven into the shape of a person. And then it's got <laughs> like a mask on, basically. And he, he doesn't realize that, but like, if he gets overly emotional or he lets it, lets literally the power of the heavens slip out, people go, that that is a blob of stars and suns <laughs> in the shape mm. of a human, and I don't mm. like that. That's bad to look at. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, there's also that bit towards the end when he's talking to Nagash, and sort of mm. Nagash is sort of suggesting, like, I can tell you what you're actually going to be used for. Mm. Um, and isn't there? Isn't am I thinking of another novel where there's a one character, and I don't, I think it's Gardas, or am I thinking it's Vandas Hammerhand, where mm. one of them sort of is predestined actually it could be vanders hammerhand where i think he's predestined to be to do something he's not happy about he gets like he sees yeah. visions and such like and it sort of almost feels like that where you know okay. where like yeah. I, I get you know that sort of i could be wrong on that but i'm swear that's mm. what the, what i'm thinking <laughs> with vanders hammerhand and, I, and it, it mm. reminded me of Gardas, where he sort of you know nagash has looked into his soul and go well i can tell you what you're going to be used for mm. or you know like almost like he's seeing the future and yeah. it and again it, it it's just showing that these particular stormcasts or some of them you know are, are really struggling with their faith all i said with like mm. with at least with their confidence with things where mm. and and again it's it, it's it's good because it's so natural in this set mm. in this setting mm. as well because again yeah. You know that you they're going they're they're going oh only the faithful you know we we should only be mm. caring what Sigmos you know has planned for us but then it's good that they're going well is this part of Sigmos oh, yeah. plan or is it you know and mm. and showing and and really it's good because it reinforces what a faltered god Sigmar is I mean we've seen mm. it in the past he's not all like I said he's not all sunshine and rainbows <laughs> uh, he's all lightning storms <laughs> you know he, mm. he he's mm. not. You know, he obviously again he's shown shown to be the you know the god of the good guys in air quotes, but he's not though really. He is. Oh no. You know he. Yeah. You know he's not 
<laughs> as good as you think he's going to be. And, you know, like, like we saw, I think, was it Play Garden where they, they keep things hidden from him? Um, yeah. In their, um, you know, to their, their sort chambers, of memories yeah. and, and chambers and things like mm. that. And again, it's sort of, you know, they're, they're, mm. they're, you know, 90% of them trust uh, Sigmar and are happy to do his bidding. But, you know, they can you can see where these cracks are starting to appear. But again, yeah. I think that's quite apt because, you know, in, you know, for context and, and also to remember is that the Stormcast have not been around a long time, as in actual Stormcast no. Eternals. They were mm. a force that has been brought together relatively quickly. That mm. hence why, you know, the, the process, the reforging, the anvil of apotheosis is a flawed th- thing. You know, why mm. there's getting faults in the system because it, you know, it's been sort of bolted together with sticky tape. It's sort of, you know, <laughs> the, to make this army. I mean, they're, they're still great mm. at what they do, but they're not, that's why they're flawed because basically mm. Sigma had to rush this army together to yeah. to deal with chaos. And we're now yeah. again, bit by bit, bit by bit, we're seeing what the consequences of that, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And we get some great comparisons in here as well. Like uh, there is, there's a whole bit in addition to all the bits of dealing with your personal demons. There's the bit of, do I have free will, which is part of Gardas questioning his faith. Mm. Um, and we get, we get the comparison there because, Manfred and um, several of the Stormcasts are both asking themselves that same question, but Manfred knows the answer. And for Manfred, the answer is, of course I have no free will. I can do what I want, but Nagash is always there, and technically everything I'm doing is because Nagash wanted me to do it. Mm. Like, like his goal in raising the dead of Caddo before all the Stormcasts showed up was like, yeah, I'll get favor with Nagash, but, you know, in the background he knows that Nagash probably planted that idea. We also learned that... um. He's been pulled apart and remade a lot, apparently, sort mm-hmm. of in a similar manner to Stormcast. Yeah. Um, which is part of why he is so messed up. Like, the process is literally causing his memories to go a little haywire. Um, because every time he betrays Nagash or fails him, Nagash pulls him apart, tries to find a shred of weakness, pull it out, and then put him back together without whatever caused that problem. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it's obviously wearing on him. But, um, then Nagash sees the Stormcast and, uh, you know, says the same of them as, like, aren't you all slaves, effectively, and goes, sorry, no, that gives you too much freedom. I should mm. call you a little weapon. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it gets quite deep at times, really, where he's sort of, yeah, where the, the, mm. the, he's really questioning, or the, the Stormcast can really question on what they actually are. You know, like mm. I said, are they, they're actually even less than the slave. Like I said, they're mm. actually just, but then that's, again, comparison to, to, Space Marines as well, isn't it, really? Because yeah. you think they're weapons, basically. It just, yeah, yeah. It's for war. But it. Mm. But I think the difference is that you can tell it's grating on the Stormcast, whereas I think when you yes. compare them to Marines and 40K, I don't think they know any different. And yeah. in a way, it doesn't really matter. Whereas with the Stormcast, mm. because effectively they've come from humans that have died uh, mm. fighting or dealing with chaos and have obviously shown some heroic... Uh, aspect to them that that again it's it's all feel rushed it's like they again they haven't had a choice in it really (laughs) Mm, mm. really they've just been beamed 
yeah. up, you know, when their, their soul's <laughs> been beamed up, you know, mm. smashed around with a with a with a hammer, and go here, you go here's some sigma sigma right, yeah. and uh, now yeah. you got to fight for him as well. It's just there's yeah yeah. It's it, there's also a bit where um a free guild uh, lieutenant is talking with one of the stormcast and goes, you know, some people are going to die in this battle. It's like yeah, but we'll be reforged. Maybe even you'll be reforged, and yeah. she has to look away so that he doesn't see like the disgust and fear on her face at the idea of being turned into what he is. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's actually it, it's almost like it's more fearful to turn into mm. a stormcast or potentially than actually die mm. normally. You know, like they, yeah. like you said, because obviously they, you know you're immortal, you could easily die, and then you'll mm. never come back. But like I said, it's almost like yeah. they're scared of then becoming a stormcast. Yeah. Well, because she she also thinks like you know it's known to happen occasionally. People yeah. will just go go up in a puff of lightning, and then sometimes they show up again as stormcast. Most of the time they don't remember, but sometimes they do remember, and that is always worse. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, yeah. Well, like it's, dealing again, with it, the person you knew. It well, exactly, and it's it's that, and it's having that free will taken away at the end mm. of the day. Because ultimately, they if they get turned into Stormcast, they don't really have a choice in it, and their yeah. you know, their soul has just been taken and go right. You're now Stormcast, and you're going to lose most of your memories and. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. you know when it actually sort of break it down, it's really horrific mm. <laughs> to what oh, actually yeah. happens to him. But again, mm. it's similar, and you'll you'll see this if you or hear this if you listen to one of our recent waffles when we we're talking about forty k and obviously mm. how nasty really the Imperium is, but you don't see yeah. it on the surface. And it's it's the same with the Stormcast and Sigma. It's actually quite mm. bad what happens to these you know these good hearted people. But yeah. you know. It, it is what yeah. it is. <laughs> their, their one saving grace is it's not proven that they don't have free will as Stormcast. Mm. It's just none of them have ever thought to go against Sigma, which I find convenient. Um. Mm. <laughs> I think it's also the yeah. fact they don't, they just haven't really had time. And, mm. and it's, again, because they're so, because obviously they're either, because ultimately they're either getting reforged or they're out fighting. Because obviously one of the things that the key things that always get said in, in any of the law is that the Stormcast mm. are constantly fighting because obviously yeah. there's just not enough of them to deal with all the 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 chaos and and anyone else they've got to fight out there at, at any one go so it's almost like they're like they're constantly being reforged and get you know, get out there again come on you know and yeah, and, you know, yeah. hell with the consequences <laughs> which you know mm. like there's like one of the stormcast they were saying when he when he's reforged he lo- he lost his voice Mm. Or they're suspecting, I should say, that yeah. he lost his voice. They don't actually clarify, but they basically say that because he because he just doesn't talk anymore. And it's like, mm. wow, what a random, you know, yeah. byproduct or or side mm. effect of what's happening. And again, it's just that having their souls sort of taken away from them. It's yeah, mm. it's really scary, yeah. but it it makes for good reading. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, speaking of random things to do with the free guild in this book. Did you mm. notice that there's a free guild officer from Shimon who worships Sotek? Yes, I did that. Um, I did notice that. It was <laughs> I thought that was such a great because isn't isn't that the one where he's sort of saying like you could he was encouraging the other one to sort of sacrifice themselves to, oh, to Sotek. No. Yeah, yeah. No? Um yeah, he was playing with the uh this obsidian dagger and uh his commanding officer goes, Put that thing away. We're not having any of your blood sacrifices with the enemy here and he goes, Oh no, we don't sacrifice enemies, we only sacrifice heroes. You should really take me up on that offer. Yeah, by that's the way. It. That's what that's the bit I'm thinking of, yeah. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> but again the, the that just awesome is a good point actually of how interesting the free guild are. And I I I, I just wish from a 
tabletop perspective that they would mm. uh, g- go on to this where obviously you know in in this book we see the golden griffins we see the gallows yes. men, you know these these free guild that wear like these sort of noose handkerchief mm. things around their around their necks are sort of you know sh- which actually is colored in rank and things like that mm. and it mm. and because i think don't they come from like they're basically their origins were all criminals or something yeah like that. I they, think were, they, they were they were all they were a hundred years ago. The regiment was founded with death row convicts, mm. and then they they acquitted themselves well in battle, so they were given their freedom effectively and formed a full on militia. Um, yeah, and now and now a hundred years later, everyone wears the noose, and it's a, yeah, it's a different color to show your rank, which I think is great. Um, that's so cool, so <laughs> yeah. cool. I I just I just that's what I'm saying. I I, I wish. I know we see it in these novels, but I wish mm. in the lore and and the tabletop we saw like actual free guild regiments, mm. like actual name, you know, where they have like yeah. their own rules and their own mm. sort of you know purpose yeah, in the world the, as well. Yeah, because the Golden Griffins, I think, have shown up in a couple of books. They're pretty. Mm. They're one of the more well known because their big thing is they get paid in gold coins and they just mm-hmm. stitch those into shawls and wear them over their armor. Yeah, because um, they're they're effectively on credit. That the coin is more of like a show that's required by their contract. Like mm-hmm. here, here's the coin, but all of the rest of your pay is you know in writing, in bond or whatever. Um, yeah, and they again they show up in this. We again we get lots of fun free guilds. So we get the uh, the Nordrathi Red and Blacks, who are the mm-hmm. um, the noblemen essentially from the city that is yep. settling Caddo. And they're like, you know, don't let those uh, peasants show us what's what. We got to ride around with our fancy guns and our horses. And our horses, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our mustachios. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah, there's a lot of mustaches going on in this book, uh, mm. including the Lord Ordinator as well. He's there, busy yes. playing with his mustache as he's looking over <laughs> maps and uh, architectural mm. plans and things like that. Yeah. Yes, love a good yeah. mustache. Dawn would be oh, proud. Yes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but no i think i think that's the thing even though like you were saying earlier that, that this novel is quite you know sad at times really with some of the characters mm. obviously the ending and things like that is there is actually some really amusing bits in this as well mm. you know like some yeah. of things we've said here there's the, how diverse these characters are um you know the the relation like the you've got the the bickering um uh, wizards from the yes um, <laughs> in, as well they're just they're yeah. always bickering which is hilarious yeah. again it's which just, incantation it, will use third yeah second obvious second no, we'll take this line out and we'll add this line no you fool we're not gonna you know what happened last time you know it's, it's, it's really good it just gives a nice mm. bit of uh of light relief in there as well um but um but let's let's talk about the chaos side of things as well like mm. with them um, back and and such because yes. again that's quite an important thing as yes. well um mm. what i quite liked with back um he did he, or maybe he didn't with you, but did he remind mm. you of uh, when we covered Sigvald as well? I literally, I literally have in my notes, where is it? Um, <laughs> Bakos is a Sigvald-style Slaanesh law shaking yep. up centuries of boredom. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That was again. Wow, yeah. I'm seeing a very, very big parallels here. You know, yeah. even to what he's got a mirror shield and he's got mirror warriors. He's, he's, yeah. he's um, well, they, they're called eunuchs in this, aren't they? Yes, aren't they? Um, they are eunuchs yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because uh, obviously sigvald in in warhammer fantasy had his war is um sorry his uh, mirror knights didn't he as well yeah. so it's again it's very very um mm. the way he's described just massively yes. reminds me of sigvald yeah you know, the point where he's 
play, playing playing politics, playing games, trying to mm. deal with the boredom. It, also, he's trying to find his love, who is actually yes. turns out he sacrificed. I think is that what he said. Yeah, because um, so, he plays it the whole time like this big tragic story of the hero searching the underworlds for his lost love. But the reveal is on their wedding night he got bored and killed her and then used that as an excuse to invade Shaiish. She's like, yeah. <laughs> Nagash took my beloved away. I will go find their soul and bring them back, etc. It's like, he just wanted an excuse. He was bored already and wanted yep. to leave. <laughs> um, which I, was my favorite part of Bacchus's character was that twist because the whole book before that, he portrays himself as like this disaffected, almost heroic figure. Like, mm. he's obviously a terrible, indulgent, petty warlord, but like, you, you you sometimes get that nudge of like, oh, yeah, but he was a good person before, and then you realise that before he's talking about it, he was already way deep into the path of Slanesh. Yeah. He's, he's like, you know, I'm, I came here chasing my wife, and I'm like, oh, and then he fell to chaos, and then like, a hundred pages later, like, no, he he was he was a chaos lord already at that point. He just wanted yeah. an excuse to go on a campaign. <laughs> but it's also, even the link, the, even the comparisons to Sigvald are, are even more subtle as well sometimes, because mm. like, he he makes a point that he used to be a prince and he's now a yeah. king. And again, Sigvald mm. was a, uh, a prince of Sanash as well. It's, and, and also, even the way he fights, you know, he fight, he's a very yeah. quick swordsman. Again, Sigvald mm. was light, a lightning quick swordsman as well. I, I, yes. I mean, again, we not no proof of that, but I swear he is based him on Sigvald. It's so, oh, yeah. There's so many comparisons. Look, the, the real proof is how arrogant he is because he's mm. fighting a bunch of Stormcast and then Nagash shows up and he goes, finally, a worthy challenge and tries to fucking kill Nagash. <laughs> I know! I know! <laughs> He's the epitome of arrogance. He's like, aha, a god at last I can fight. You know, like, really? And then the fact that he just sort of, the gash sort of Instantly looks at him and he just sort of crumbles yeah. into into nothing. It's like, oh, oh it's so yeah. good. So it's many good things. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I think also one thing I do like as well is that the, the, the in a way, there's actually not a massive amount of action you know, in mm. the sense, a lot of it is the is the prep work. It's a lot of it is them preparing for battle or the mm. next fight, um, <clears throat> and then obviously mm. you've got the you know Rasmus, uh, Manfred, and Co. trying to obviously uh, take a boat. Um, oh, we've got we've got to talk about this the Sea of Dust and the the corpse oh, reef. <laughs> so now I've dust. remembered. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the best things I've ever heard of when mm. reading one of these novels. <clears throat> so you've got the Sea of Dust, which is the, yes. the where they've got to travel along to get to Nagashazar, uh, and mm. literally it is a sea of dust. It's like basically a desert yeah. uh, made from obviously um, where the corpses have just sort of just ground away. And the fact mm. that they're on this boat of sorts yeah. going going along. And then they're like, oh, what's that down there? And they, they look down like you'd see, a, mm. you know, the reef in, in, in the yeah. ocean. And it's just a, a reef of corpses. I was thinking, yes. what a great, what it's, amazing it's thing. a great idea. And it also actually is a little bit of foreshadowing because the idea mm. of the corpse reef is like, you know, an army of millions of people died out in the desert in front of Nagashazar because Manfred led them to ruin, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, their bodies all kind of got pushed by the wind to the same spot of the corpse, uh, of the, uh, the Sea of Dust, I should say. And then all those corpses in the same place dragged enough death magic there to the point where this became an animate corpse reef. Because, mm-hmm. A corpse reef, yes, because they're, it's a bunch of zombies stuck in the sand, basically all reaching yep. for anything passing by. Uh, but the foreshadowing is, um, so there's a there's an undead army locked under the city of Caddo, sleeping, 
But mm-hmm. as the book goes on and more and more fighting happens, the amount of death happening begins to draw more death magic to the area and the dead begin waking up, which is one of the plot points of we need to get rid of these chaos guys before we have an army of skeletons show up as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's just a great idea. And then just Manfred casually going, yeah, no, I was the one that led that army to ruin. And he just leans over, wasn't I, my lord? And there's just yeah. this zombie in, like, yeah. regalia pattering around. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Little details like that, but just cause mm. you can just picture them. It was, yeah, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I really oh, did. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think it helps as well having the mm. three sort of factions in the book yeah. as well, having yeah. Chaos, Death, and Order as as you know all deal because because they all seem to overlap each other they all end up having to deal with each other in different ways and that's why mm. i sort of described it as a triple threat early because they're all, all against yeah. each other but yeah you know, they're, they're all trying to obviously come up on top as well and it's yeah it's just so well written mm. in that regard yeah. um um i thought you may want to talk about the duardin in this Yes, I am a big fan of the uh, i believe they're the zul gazaz or gazaz um they are Dwarden that are native to Shaiish, which is, again, a really cool thing. I love seeing, mm-hmm. like, realm-influenced culture, because these take the classic Dwarven traits of, you know, they're dour, they endure, they honour oaths and family above everything else, and this is just twisted by Shaiish. So this, these, these are bu- basically a bunch of Dwarden that, before Nagash came along and killed all of the other gods of the Underworlds, made an oath to their god to follow him, etc., etc., because, of course, they did. They're dwarves. Um, or Dwarden, I should say. Be proper. Um, <laughs> and now, now it's just a clan of Dwarden that are all, like, funerary style, so they're always singing dirges instead of war horns or anything. They they toll funeral bells to signal movements and stuff. Um, and they are, they are a lot of fun. They're, like, really, really, um toned down is almost like for their attitude like they never they never yell about anything they are always you know just level-headed and calm and just used to the horrible things of life and death i guess mm. um, they're sort of very undwarding actually in some mm, ways yeah they're not they sort feel- of just beer drink you know ale mm. drinking oh yeah mouthy dwarves <laughs> yeah no they're, they're very they're very restrained and i think mm. my fate my favorite little detail we get is they refuse to name weapons because mm. weapons with names get uppity basically yeah. <laughs> yeah. they start getting minds of their own in this place so they're like we yeah. can't attach we can't attach like a meaning or a spirit to anything that shouldn't have it so yeah. i've got this i've got this ancient familial rune blade you know, tucked under one arm, it's seen countless millennia of combat. It's as old as the realm itself. I can't give it a name. It doesn't have mm. a name. It's just a sword. <laughs> if I gave it a name, it would try and kill me, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, talk, talking of blades, they, I like the fact mm. they're given a blade which will call upon the Hallow Knights as and yeah. when they strike it in the ground. Mm. I was thinking, it's like their business card. Yeah. In it yeah. goes. <laughs> Hallow Knights just turn up. Yeah. Mm. I think it's yeah, great. Absolutely. Such a great it's concept. Very cool. <laughs> mm. and like again cool. they're not they're not a big presence in the book but they again no. really help set the tone i think like the first mm. order faction you really get to see in combat is a bunch of dwarves just kind of dourly shooting down beastmen mm-hmm. and going oh it's a terrible day to die uh, uh, it's always <laughs> a terrible day to die <laughs> but again that's what i think echoes what we were saying earlier where even the little characters or mm. the bits are in it have depth to them where they, you feel like they're, they're not just there for filler they actually have you know some yeah. sort of uh, 
some sort of purpose as well. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to the sort of the, the little details like that, it's like there's um, one of the Chaos Champions, is it? I think it's called Etax, mm. where yes. he's, um, <clears throat> you know, trying to impress uh, Bacos to you know, obviously lead some of the forces and he, he's got translators because mm. hasn't he got so many, like his face has got so many spikes and, yeah. and things like that. He literally the way I saw talk. it. Yeah. The way I saw it is like, he's got like a flattened head with a shark mouth basically. Mm. So he, he yeah. doesn't have big eyes. He literally can't talk because his mouth is like this more of whirling teeth. We don't mm. even know if he has a tongue or anything. So yeah, he's got yeah. two slaves chained to him who translate his gurgles and grumbles. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the fact that later, when mm. he's fighting, and obviously the undead have started rising, obviously mm. at, at some point he he gets seen by the stormcast where he's, he's running through. He's dragging mm. the corpses of his translators because they're yes. chained to him, but they're turning undead. So he, <laughs> so he's yes. he's having to as well as having to deal with the undead. He's having to sort of be careful because they're trying to take him down at the same yes. time i thought what yeah. an amazing sight that is <laughs> absolutely great yeah and like um oh. the the other one of bacos's champions uh lemurs who mm-hmm. is yeah. a half elf half demonette hybrid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh yeah the i think their mother was a demonette and their father was a very adventurous elf <laughs> as far yeah. as i can tell um yeah. <laughs> or maybe the other way around you never know um but they're like Again, really, a little more hellraisery. Like they've got their mouth pulled back with hooks and everything, but then mm. they've got a more a big two-handed hammer shaped like a statue of a woman, and whenever it hits something, it screams with a thousand voices. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah that's Lanesh's <laughs> hell. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're great. It's like mm. I said. That's what I mean. All these, even like these, said these characters that because they come and go because obviously there's a lot mm. happening. You know, it's obviously like most novels, it's bouncing around between all these different events. So often yeah. you're like, oh yeah, that's so and so, isn't it? There's that, you know, that <laughs> chaos lord, that commander. But like mm. they've all got something about them. And I just love the fact they're all sort of interwoven and you've got these lovely little yeah. images that you can take, mm. which are so different to, you know, to yeah. the norm, really. So yeah, mm. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so, so good. Um, right. Um, was there any, anything else you wanted to talk about with this novel? This is your um, chance, Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> import, important geography talk. Yay, mm, learning, yes. everyone. Um, yeah. So do you remember when Archeon took over Nagashazar? Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't. There's actually nine cities all named Nagashazar, arrayed yeah. equidistant around the Black Pyramid. Again, yeah. uh, this, this is something they put into context. Um, the Black Pyramid took basically infinity time to make, and everyone goes, oh, but it's like it's a, it's a big pyramid. It's not that big. It's that big. Um, <laughs> they they get to quote unquote Nagashazar in the book, which is again one of nine Nagashazars arrayed around the center of Shaiish. Um, and the Black Pyramid is a so big it fills the entire sky to either edge of the horizon, and b is so big that it takes a few seconds for them to realize it's pointing down instead of pointing up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like it is yeah. so is that enormous. upside down. <laughs> yeah, it's just like look like something feels wrong and then you just kind of do the math and you're like, is that an inverted pyramid? And Manfred goes, Yeah, yeah man, I have no idea what's going on with that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the gash loves the thing. Um yeah. and it's uh and um this is before the Necroquake, so before it's complete, before Nagash does his great spell within it. Um mm-hmm. 
But even at that point, it is so big that it is effectively warping time and space around it. So there, there are nine Nagashazars, mm-hmm. but all nine Nagashazars are sort of kind of in the same space as well as in nine separate spaces. Yeah. And they are all also sort of kind of in the same time or while mm. also spanning millennia. So, like, there's one point where, you know, Ramus hears fighting and goes to Manfred, hey, did you lead us into an ambush? And he goes, oh, no, that that was a battle from 100 years ago and around yeah. the corners next century. Yeah, they're already dead right <laughs> in the corner. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's almost like these time, time stamps of all these different, yeah. Like, yeah, they're mm. already dead. What? Oh, no, yeah. I can see them fighting. No, 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 they're, they're just, you're just, time's yeah. catching up at the moment. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and again, this lends credence to when this thing actually activates, it inverts the entire, like, this is a thing powerful enough to do that. It's really, yeah. I think, lends credence to all of that. It is, yeah. it is great. I kind of want to see, like, a movie or a TV series of this book just to see, because <laughs> we'll, we'd have, like, normal, like, fighting and like abandoned city stuff and then we just get into the later episodes and be like the pyramid that fills the sky yeah 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 again it has similarities to when we covered shade spire as well you know it's sort of Mm. that sort of where things are sort of bent over backwards and and like and it also i think mentions like the nagashazars are all moving as well even though mm. there's nine of them, they're actually moving. Because like, hang on, yeah. I thought it was over there. Like, no, no, mm. it's just it's just moved. Because <laughs> yeah. the Will and the Gash, he moves yeah. them around. Wherever <laughs> Nagash needs to put his throne, that place is now so, Nagash's. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I want to be there, please. It's just it's crazy. And, and obviously, going mm. back to the time thing, it, it, it's echoed the fact that <laughs> multiple times they're like, oh, so how long were you traveling? Oh, it's been about a day. No, it's been about six. Like, what? What do you mean it's been yeah. six? It's like they're all arguing. Like, it's been about yeah, four then, days. No, six. <laughs> yeah, and then Manfred's like, I'm the the only one who knows it was four days but the third day was a bit longer than it was meant to be <laughs> yeah it's like what it was it longer it's like <laughs> yeah um, oh it's crazy but it's again it's again it was one of those where i hope to see more of that uh, you know mm. like i said the more than the gashes are thing you know i'm not saying it felt rushed but it felt like oh i want, I want more of this you know when they when they yeah. when you know nagash makes his guest appearance you know towards the end of the novel um mm. you called me so i came what do you want? <laughs> yeah. Way of dealing with things. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. It really was. And I think it was a nice, <laughs> nicely paced, even though it's quite a big novel compared to some of mm. the others, it's actually nicely paced. And the fact you, yeah. you I feel you, you see enough of most things to get a good mm. grasp of what's, yeah. of what's going on as well. But yes. um, Ooh, yeah. Last thing, mm. your opinion on the epilogue. So we have this little mm. priest show up every now and again. We have Ghosty to show up every now and again. The end of the story is him sitting down across the campfire from this priest and going, what's in that book? And the priest going, oh, that's Sigmar's Bible, effectively. And mm. Ghosty goes, interesting. Tell me about your god. Then I will tell you about my god. And then we'll see who gets eaten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, that was, it was so random, wasn't it, at the end like that? And But yeah, I think that's mm. got a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Of it, where, it, and it, yeah, it, it makes sense to me for Ghost Eater's arc, like he's been learning, and it, like mm. it says that in that bit, like his need for new knowledge at this point is like insatiable, like he, he is a creature of Slanesh, like he's striving for something and he desires more of a particular thing, this is what he really wants, it just happens, you know, instead of gold, wine, drugs, or like slaves, he desires knowledge, mm. it's really coming across in this, but like then the idea that this this one ghost of the architect 
has become the most clear and all the other ghosts have started fading away because he's been paying more attention to it. Mm. And, th- and this but- architect is pushing him into this, like, no, sit down and talk. Don't kill him yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cause that's, yeah, exactly. And I, I, so if we do get a, I don't know, a Slaneshi uh beast man in stormcast armor in the future who knows this will be where it, it started Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but no it's but it's good but it's a good character arc because like i said mm. it just shows like i said how how much he's come on and how he sort of realized how belittled his fellow kin have been like, oh, we're, yeah. like we're just you know we we have been treated literally like beasts where we're just mm. told to go out and die don't really think about anything you're not really yeah. worthy whereas he's like mm. no no i'm going to i'm going to think on behalf of my kin and yeah. I'm, you know, it's yeah, oh, good, really good. I, yeah. I hope, I hope he has a sequel. Yes, he. he I feel he's got a him in it because yeah. he's got. He's also got my favorite line in the book, which is right after he saves Chael. Chael looks and like, why, why did you save me? And he just goes, we do not always eat our own. And I go, oh god, <laughs> that implies so much. Like there is, <laughs> that that's like that's talking about prejudices against beastmen, things beastmen mm. might actually think about doing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And like that felt like a character defining moment. Uh, on top, of the whole book's a character defining thing, yeah. there, obviously. But like, God, yeah, I love I love Ghost Eater so much. Please, yeah. I know I know Games Workshop and Josh Reynolds. It's kind of a long haul, a long haul to get this kind of thing going. But come on. Make him a, make him a real character. Give him a model. Give him rules. Give him more books. Mm. I would love. I would love to see what he becomes in the future. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. He's got. It's it's could happen. I I hope. Like I said, I hope it does. And I think. I think this arc, as in you know, like Play Garden, like Black Pyramid. Mm. I think it's one of the most interesting sort of AOS novels you can read out there. I think they've got so mm. much depth to them, and I think. That uh, yeah, I, I hope they don't sort of just abandon them. You know, that like the yeah. effort that's gone into sort of you know by having reoccurring characters and, mm. and obviously their their arcs and things like that. It's yeah, it's they're all yeah. they're all good in their own way. So yeah, mm. it'd be interesting what we see. You know, what comes of this really? Yeah, but, uh, but no, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's like like you said earlier, we could talk about so much in this. You know, you've got <laughs> there's other little things that we haven't mentioned, like like mm. Rasmus puts a basically a magic silver bullet in Manfred so <laughs> yes. that he can sort of kill him off at any point if he, mm. if he, you know, decides to uh, go rogue on him and things like that. Mm. And yeah, there's mm. just lovely, lovely little things in it. And I think if you've read a lot of AOS or you're still getting into AOS in a current setting, I think this is one of those sort of novels, which will add a good, another layer of detail of things on mm. to your knowledge i think you know where you like where you yeah. when you're trying to picture how things go i think this this novel is a perfect example of that and again similar to play mm. garden as well you know if you want to see like i said the faults of the stormcast you want to see how the politics of chaos armies goes together the this mm. constant struggle between the gash and his mortarks you know it's all you're getting all these lovely little bits in there yeah. you know and yeah. um and lots of parallels which again, I think are deliberate. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah. And, he, and, and even one last thing as well, I think even some of, even though, you know, there is action in this, um, but he, there's some really cool action scenes in this mm. as well. Um, yeah. you know, like you've got that, there's this one moment where Gardas takes down one of the chaos champions at that point where like the chaos champion is like calling him out and Gardas sort of stands and, and rather than mm. sort of just being like, Oh, I'm going to smite you foe. Gardas says nothing. He literally just goes up to this this yeah. chaos champion and just smashes him with his hammer and like right that's it but come on boys let's get in there you know it's just lovely little things like that. <laughs> also there's that that triple um, lantern 
thing where all the three Lord Ca- um, Castellans all f- spring out their uh, lanterns yeah. and like melt yeah. the chaos forces. Like, they, <laughs> but all three of them do it at the same time. Um, mm. There's this. Re- there's the. Uh, there's. Um, I'm saying Kayla who takes down a, a trogoth as well, where she sort yeah. of like smashes a halberd in its neck and sort of. But then, rather than just sort of just hacking away, she sort of uses its weight to smash it to the floor and then stabs mm. it in the brain. And you know, like some really well done action scenes as well. So if you want a bit mm. of that, again, this novel is perfect for it. So. I think yeah. what we're trying to say is, Cameron, people need to read this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Buy and read this book. Support mm. this book. We need more things like this. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. But there, there's a bunch of great <clears throat> stuff. There's a bunch of great stuff in various styles for Age of Sigma books. Like we have your classic buddy cop stuff with Carlos and Toll. We've got your kind mm-hmm. of, I would say, almost high seas adventure for Spear of Shadows because just because mm-hmm. of the way the journey is not specifically because it's on the ocean or anything, um, because of the way the journey works and that. But then like this feels like a good, just solid expansion book of like here's flavor, flavor yeah. for the mortal realms just flooding out of this book. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally agree. So yeah, get it. Like I said, uh, it's not, you can only get, I think now obviously the paperback and the, and obviously the, uh, ebooks, at least they didn't do an audio version of this one, but mm. yeah, it's on paperback now. So you can get it nice and cheap and yeah, mm. get it. It's been good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now Cameron's happy because we finally covered it. And I'm, and I'm yeah. glad that he convinced me to, well, not that he <laughs> had to convince me to read it, but I know we've sort of, I've been toying with this one for a while. So I'm so glad mm. that we, we've covered this because it was such an enjoyable book to read. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. <sighs> well, I think it's time for our last little break because mm. we're going to have a discussion topic afterwards. And when we return, yes, I'm going to be talking about Imperial Guard. <laughs> it's going to be on the record. <laughs> Back soon. Okay, here we go. Discussion topic time. Um, and as we said earlier, we're going to be talking basically about our custom Imperial Guard regiment ideas. So mm. obviously, hopefully, like we said earlier, we may see Jungle Fighters getting an update, but yeah. uh, it sort of feels like some of the, the old iconic ones, obviously, you know, they're not really around anymore. And so mm. it sort of, we thought to ourselves, well, let's, you know, what ideas could we have for future regiments if they uh, ever decided to do so? You know, so what I mean by regiments, obviously you've got your Jungle Fighters, your, your what's it, your Mordian uh iron guard and and your rough riders and your you know your your vestroyans and your valhallans and all the you know your your talon desert raiders and all those Mm. sort of ones really so it's all those sort of ones where like what you know what ones would we like to see um yeah or you know if we had to design some uh would put i'm going to put a little caveat or disclaimer here (laughs) uh, at this point because there is, you know, in the law, there is literally thousands of regiments in the Imperial Guard uh, from all the different planets and such like. So um, what I would say is if we suggest an idea and you think, hang on, that already exists, it may do. And we just not noticed because mm. <laughs> like so yeah. there's a lot out there. So, yeah, I would <laughs> say that if we have if we're repeating something that already exists, it's purely through ignorance <laughs> more <Yeah>. than anything. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so Cameron, throw some ideas mm. my, my way. Yeah. Uh, well, back when I was first in the hobby in middle school and high school, there was an idea I always had for an Imperial Guard regiment. I never really named them is the problem. Mm. But as I was a young little Aussie at the time, I, of course, went, oh, 
Catachin's kind of Space Australia, but it's too wet. What <laughs> if Space Australia Guard Regiment, but dry? Um, oh. <laughs> so Catachin is mostly a jungle death world, uh, but I like to imagine a more deserty death world. Um, and my big draw at the time, I thought the coolest possible thing for the Imperial Guard were the Rough Riders. Like, mm. cavalry, actual cavalry in the 41st millennium, that is the most dumb yet coolest thing possible. <laughs> literally, literally charging horses into bolt fire. What, what could be more emblematic of the 41st millennium? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I envisioned them being sort of Katachan ish but a little more organized in their look so like maybe all with just the um open vest and uh stuff instead of a mix of like the the uh sleeveless shirts and open vests and stuff like that um and very importantly they all had to have the crocodile dundee hat um, <laughs> uh, yeah but my uh my big you idea that last cannon this is a last cannon oh god um but the uh the, the big idea i had which is it's probably fortunate i never acted on was i was going to do the idea of some rough riders as emu-ish cavalry oh um okay. as in taking essentially the um i forget the term but the um what the seekers of slanesh ride those Making okay, them yeah. look more like animals than demons, so getting rid of any obviously demonic stuff. Obviously, like mm. all the um, breasts and stuff would have to go. And then, <laughs> yes, no breasts, yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, the, these aren't mammals. These are clearly like riding reptiles, and like mm. in their heads a little more uniform and less weird. And then have have them as like Xenos cavalry riding like these big featherless emus. Basically, um, I thought was was an amazing idea, and. Um, I was like, oh, and you do the red, you do the red sand on the faces and everything, and like, I had all these ideas. I never acted on a single one of them. It's probably mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> honestly, if I had, I would be mad because the perfect basing material was all the Martian um, iron earth and iron crust uh, texture paints you can get now. They weren't available back then. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> would have been perfect for that. Uh, but yeah, that was that was uh, the very first custom Imperial Guard regiment I ever thought up of. Uh, nice. Up of doing, yeah. Uh, I still have that image of like the guy with the crocodile Dundee hat with like a lance on, um, <laughs> just riding essentially a Steve Slash, <laughs> but a little nice, but like naturally colored, uh, down a big red sand dune. I thought that was the coolest stuff ever. Um, <laughs> I didn't really, didn't make anything for that though, which I can't say for my other one that I have the idea for, which is, um, I believe I named the Alpaxian 62nd. Or something. Um, you might remember these from my forays into Kill Team. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so my idea here being these are more of a penal legion uh, from a mm-hmm. world called Alpaxia. Obviously, the the Alpaxians. Um, and the idea being, it was it was sort of a penal legion, but the veterans of the legion were basically they'd worked off their um their sentences and were sticking with the guard for extra money. Basically, they're actually getting uh actually getting proper <laughs> proper pay and services and such at that point. Um, but, uh, the best idea I had for that was the instigating idea, which was what would happen if all your veteran guardsmen during a minefield exercise accidentally got their legs blown off? (laughs) Would you, would you shell out big money for brand new, super good bionic legs? Or would you take the fresh good legs from the convicts that form up the majority of the Legion, stitch them onto the actually good soldiers 
and then give those convicts the really shitty bionic legs that the Mechanicus just threw out for saying they weren't good mm. enough for Skitari. Um, <laughs> so, and of course, because the Imperium is the Imperium, this needlessly complex and cruel process became tradition. Um, and so now, if you're convicted on Alpaxia and it's a bad enough crime, you can either serve your time in jail, or you can join the Alpaxia in 62nd, have your legs chopped off, uh, your legs given to a veteran who's just gotten up to the veteran status, um, and then you get that veteran's old bionic legs, which at oh. this point are about 400 years old and absolutely awful quality. A but they're good swap. enough. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then in 10 years' time, when you've worked off your sentence and you become a veteran, you get brand new legs from a new recruit and they get your old shitty bionic legs. <laughs> <laughs> And so less money was spent, those bionic legs were used, and also a needlessly cruel punishment for crimes was thought of and executed. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I've actually built, like, a squad of these using a mix of the Guardsmen, Tempesta Signs, and Skitari kits. Um, so if you're not a Tempesta Sign, who I envision as the actual, like, veterans, effectively, they're good enough. They get the good gear, they've got the actual yeah. legs. Um, yeah. the, the basic guys have either... Um, the base guys are basic guys have an Imperial Guard Cadian torso with Skitari legs, effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's the main thing. They have these shoddy, a little too thin looking bionic legs, which I think pretty much sells the idea there. And then the veterans have the Scion legs with the Skitari torsos because they've got, you know, nice, nicely done, like thin mesh armor. <laughs> they're relatively close to mechanics and everything. Um, they they get the nicer stuff, honestly. Um, and then you know, there's a few in betweeners. There's like the guy who gets the heavy flamer gets the tempesta scion chest armor because we don't want him blowing up. But he's not actually uh, a veteran yet, so he still has to have the crappy legs <laughs> and um, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm honestly uh, pretty happy with those models. I still haven't gotten around to painting them. Oh, anything, but, um, they, they were really fun. Um, a few, uh, actually, I tell a lot. I have painted a few of them. Um, they, they made their way onto my Armies on Parade display board, uh, last year as the, um, poor defenders against my Death Guard and Knights. <laughs> um, so the regimental colors, I'm happy to tell you, are convict yellow, um, for the jumpsuits. Right. So all all their fatigues, all their cloth is this bright, bright, bright yellow, um, which you get with Flash Gets Yellow, uh, because you want to be able to find them easily if they try and escape. And then their (laughs) armor is a, um, their armor is, it's Liberator Gold with Flesh Terrors Red over it, so it's like this red metallic armor. Um, and so those are the colors of the regiment are are red and yellow. Nice. uh, Yeah. Yeah, pretty happy with them. Um, if you're really bad, of course, you don't just get the bionic legs. You also get a pacifier helm in case you try and do something awful like murder your commissar. Well, uh, but some, yeah. of the, some of them are trusted to wear normal helmets. <laughs> 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 One or two. <laughs> cool. I like that idea. I like that Thank a lot. You. And I can actually see that happening as well. Mm, I can see that being yeah. a thing. Cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so those are, those are my two. Right. Okay. Cool. I, I got a couple, and and sort of. I think mine seem to be heavily inspired by Saturday morning cartoons from my Ooh, youth. That seems yes. to be the case. Um, not deliberately. <laughs> just seems to be that way. Um, mm. 
When you hear about the Imperial Navy, Cameron, you think, oh, why does that have to describe the guys up in space? Why can't it describe the ones on the ocean? The um, actual because, Navy? Yeah. Like, it just never <laughs> seems like anyone fights on water no, <laughs> in, in, in the mean, 40K universe. Look, there must be plenty of water and, and oceans yeah. around. Yeah, but if you put a space marine on a boat, the boat will sink. <laughs> well, exactly. That's why, Cameron, you need to have something a bit more, you know, a bit more lighter. And I, I, I I've sort of envisioned a sort of regiment. Um, so mm. think, think GI Joe. Okay. So yeah. think, uh, but sort of more like the modern GI Joe, i.e., like the films. Yeah. So like that sort of black, sort of stealthy type armor with, um, like with like uh the the helmets with the you know just you can't really sort of see any reflection and things like that um mm. but where basically they got weapons like harpoon guns and things like that um yeah. sort of multi-barreled sort of harpoon guns uh mm. fl- flippers obviously as well um because you know i just i feel like I'll, there needs to be like a stealthy aqua unit <laughs> that, mm. that needs yeah. to exist because like i said i don't i don't when you see a lot of these battles, they seem to be happening, as I said, on land. And you're thinking, well, mm. but then there's there's swamps, there's marshes. You know, that's where a yeah. lot of these yeah. Imperial, Imperial Guard regiments end up getting stuck. But which, mm. which for like, you know, your your Cadian shock troops, are you know, they're going to get bogged down in there. Whereas I would like to do like, I think a, an Imperial Guard elite unit, like I said, that focuses on just um, sort of stealthy, stealthily going through swamp or water. They've got little jets, so like little mini jump packs, <laughs> not not full jump packs, yeah. little mini ones that can sort of bounce them quickly out of the water, uh, which then, uh, obviously, I know that could get quite expensive for the Imperial Guard. So this, like I said, this is more like a Scion unit. This is more elite yeah. than, than your grunts side of things. So that was my first idea. And my other idea, which seems to be inspired by... Uh, cartoons like Mask, uh, Jason, mm-hmm. the Wheeled Warriors. There'll be people listening yep. thinking, I'm a bit, I'm a bit too, <laughs> too young for that sort of stuff. But there'll be people that will be like, ah, oh, I remember what you're talking about. Um, and we've mm. sort of seen it a bit with the Gene Stealer cults with some of their, like their, what's it, like the, uh, ridge riders and ridge runners and things like that. Some of the sort of, but I would like there to be a, a regiment that focuses on unique mm. bikes and, uh, light armored vehicles so i want to see a a bike with a last cannon sidecar for example oh, yes. i just that would be really really cool really really yes. imperial guard where it's low tech you know it's just a normal you know like a bike with a sidecar but mm. it's just got a glass cannon strapped on which <laughs> is heavily you know like i said it's lightly armored it's going to get taken mm. out but it's got a last cannon on it or mm. an assault cannon, an auto cannon, whatever you want it yeah. to be, a heavy stubber. Yeah. And it just, you know, just deals death before it, you know, weaving in and out on the battlefield mm. before it gets taken out. But like I said, I'd like to see these really cool, like custom type vehicles. Like, like, so I'm mm. thinking like Jason, the wheeled warriors where they've got like, like chain blades on them and things like that, where it's again, ah, it's almost yeah. heavy, where it almost like a, almost like a suicidal type regiment where they, which I suppose mm. accounts for a lot of the Imperial Guard anyway, because they, <laughs> they, they end up having to die anyway. But like where they, they it's very quick. They're dark, like I said, darting in and out while the tanks are, are shooting, and obviously the soldiers are, are laying down, you know, suppressive fire. These little bikes and little sort of, uh, you know, three wheeling sort of carts and things like that mm. are in and out, and they, so they've got heavy weapons. But like the ones that you would see on a lot of the other stuff, but again, yeah, they try yeah. to take out as much as they can before they inevitably get shot off the battlefield, or mm. you know they get flipped over or something like that. And <laughs> I, I, I'd, I would love that. I just think mm. that it just it's again just something that that I could see the guard doing, you know. But yeah, um, yeah absolutely. You know, 
yeah so i yeah again i haven't put names to any of these things but uh yeah i just think like you could have like ones where they've got like big flamers on the side of them and they could be called like yeah. pyro core or something like that yeah. you know just really cool sort of cool little unit so yeah mm. and, and the thing is i like you know me i slate the imperial guard all the time i know so mm. it's a it's a tongue-in-cheek <laughs> tongue-in-cheek joke on my behalf because i've never really got on with the imperial guard but the one thing i do like and i used to like them as a kid is i used to i really did was a fan of the these unique units your rough riders your mm. valhallans your Destroyans, and things like that yeah. i think that's what whereas now unfortunately when i look at a lot of the guard stuff it's pretty much all jungle fires and your, your cadians and, mm. and i know that i have their place but i used to like those quite tropey yeah uh, specialist regiments because it gave them a bit something unique whereas i f- i don't know yeah. i feel like the guard have lost any uniqueness and that's probably where yeah. my tongue-in-cheek ribbing of them comes from mm. i think yeah no that's that's understandable yeah the thing is those those, those regiments all still exist in the rules but basically mm. for models you're pretty much stuck with third party for most of them yeah that, that's what i mean yeah i know i know they still yeah. exist but like make them prominent like go in oh yeah you, you you're getting into astra militarum now and it's like yeah i want and i mean i i mm. imagine they probably maybe distance themselves maybe because they are tropey and trademarky and but they've ah. all got their names you know i, I, oh, I look I, if something's tropian trademarky, how about the space vampires or the space vikings or the space <laughs> no, people? No, I don't know secret. what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, uh, I'd, I would like to see it because, again, it would just give mm. them something unique, really. I'm, yeah. Because I, I, I don't see anything unique about the Imperial Guard and mm. at this moment in time. Again, visually with the, the, um, the models at the moment, yeah. really, I feel they're yeah. very. Again, that's probably deliberate, uh, uh, but mm. I hope that day comes. A bit like like what we said with the your aspect warriors with your Eldar, mm. which, which which to me makes them unique. It's their those yeah. diverse units. I want that with the Imperial Guard. Bring back yeah. proper models for all these re- different regiments, and maybe chuck mm. in a couple of new ones, like the ones we've discussed. <laughs> 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 that would be cool. Mm. That would so, be very cool. Mm. But yeah, like I said, get thinking, everyone. Listen, I'm sure you can think of your own Imperial Guard regiment out there. There's plenty of ideas that uh, that we could all come up with. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool, cool. Okay. Well, I said that's been our discussion topic, and that's been the end of episode 52. Hope you've enjoyed it. It's been mm. a right laugh. So, <laughs> <laughs> as I said earlier in the episode, don't forget that like I said we got a couple of Warhammer Waffle uh, spin-off episodes that are out around the time of this one coming out so if you've not listened to them go check them out and like i said during this sort of self-isolation or semi-self-isolation because cameron's allowed out in the world now i'm still yes. not um we're <laughs> going to try and record record a few more waffles because mm. we've got the chance to do so and yeah, yeah exactly. just keep you know just give you you guys more stuff to listen to so um mm-hmm. but uh, with that cameron where can people find you on the internet you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, come join me on there for... I don't think I've posted anything recently. Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> come join me for lizard identification facts as I ah. help my friend Lars in Spain identify a lizard he found on a walk. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what nice. I've been doing on Twitter lately. Nice. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're into reptile content, come hit me up, I guess. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at realm underscore and underscore ruin. Uh, I'm pretty sure I updated that relatively recently with the Contemptors, so there is stuff to see there. Uh, but otherwise, 
Catch my stuff on the official Twitter. Matt, what's the official Twitter? The official Twitter is at Realm and Ruin. That's where all our Warhammer goodness gets put on display. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter as well, at Ninja Badger 7. Um, and as I said at the start, if you want to see ways uh, to support us or links like to our Discord, etc., as so they'll be in the show notes of your podcast player of choice. Um, so yeah, with that, that has been the end of this episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. And as always, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.